0: Everybody, it's time once again for the program that comes to you once a week, and you never know what it's going to be exactly, except for the fact that there's going to be us two guys talking about something. Coming to you from a sun drenched Surrey in the United Kingdom in the Curry Manor, I'm Adam Curry.
1: And I'm John C. Dvorak up here in smoky Northern California, where we've had 1,200 fires and the whole area is just smoked in.
0: Wow, you really can, yeah, the, the smoke is noticeable. Well, it's
1: because the wind has been blowing from the north and the south, and the north and the south, and it's accumulated. And if I look at it right now, you'd think it was fogged in, but it's mostly smoke. Yeah, it's very noticeable. The first day of it, uh, this this weather, when I woke up, I said, "What's that stink? You, you could smell it." Now we've been, in, you know, in this smoke now for so long that you can't even smell it. You're you have been kind of acclimatized to the aroma. So, is that
0: all the way into the city, or is it just out, out, where you live on the other side of the water?
1: No, no, it's all over the place. Really? I mean, it's very hazy and it's because of the smoke
0: is this the, from the santa ana winds that 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 fire everything up and all of california well, that's burns
1: what, those cause the worst fires these the winds that blow from the west yeah i mean from the east to the west they blow in the wrong direction and it heats and it's a it's a dry air that heats everything up and it's terrible but this is mostly north and south winds the wind goes from the north and it goes from the south and it goes to the north it's just going back and forth and washing back and forth all the smoke because there's no fires around us right uh, at all. It's all and Southern California, smoke, isn't is it? From, you know. No, no, there's a bunch of them in Northern. They're all over the place. Yeah, they're right. all it's five Shasta, they're everywhere.
0: This happens like, like every single Santa year. Is, is there anything left to burn down in California? To-
1: <laughs> you know, it rains,
0: things grow. It's mostly oh, weed oh, that's fires. Right. <laughs> it's not like... Weed fires? Hmm. No- anyway, so it's smoky. But no houses have burned down or anything horrible oh, like no, that? Oh, no,
1: yeah, no, plenty of houses have burned down, too, hundreds.
0: Ah, <sighs> that sucks. So. That's
1: pretty, you're right, every year it's, yeah.
0: What's going on in the U.S. of A., John? I haven't been there, what, has been two months now. I can't, I think July 23rd I'm coming over for two weeks.
1: You won't recognize the place. <laughs> yeah. So, um. I bet. So a couple of things, you know, so I'm listening to the show uh, last week. So I, I, every time I listen to the show occasionally, and I notice there's something that, that it bothers me, which is that we do have, there is a Skype lag since we're going from England to the United States. Yeah. And so you, so it's, so you get this impression. It's it's not as bad as the satellite thing you see on the on the uh, cable channels. You know, yeah. they get the satellite And I, I know exactly
0: so, what you're going to say. I know exactly.
1: Yeah, so Bill, uh, what do you think of the situation there in Syria? And then it's just like, one, Pause. two, <laughs> three. Uh, it's, uh, I didn't hear you there, Jim. Yeah. What?
0: And then they talk at the so, same time. And no, you go. You know. You You go. So. You, 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 you. Right. Well, we did a bunch of that yet last week. But the
1: way it sounds, because at the beginning of the show, you like do most of the talking at the beginning, and I kind of liven up when I finally wake up.
0: Uh-huh. And, 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 late- and all, all the punchlines have a, a, an, a like a 0.8 second delay before someone laughs.
1: Exactly. Right. <laughs> but the way it sounds is the following. It, it, I mean, if you were listening to this and didn't know there was a Skype lag, uh, it's like you say something like, well, what, so what do you think of that, John? And then there'll be this long delay as if I'm actually either thinking. thinking
0: <laughs> like you actually give a shit what I'm saying. I know. It's fantastic. <laughs> or,
1: or, 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 right. There's almost this moment where you listen and it sounds as though you're saying something. And I, and, and I because of these long pauses, am thinking to myself, is this guy a total idiot? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: no. No. First of all, I'm sure you think that from time to time. <laughs> But in general, I think those those pregnant pauses, as I would call them, I, I think they kind of make it interesting because it actually sounds like you're thinking and processing. Boy, Adam has once again asked a fine, interesting question. How shall I respond? But when, when there's when there's a joke, of course, that works both ways. No, actually, um, because the recording is on my end, if you crack a joke, my response is instantaneous. But, of course, all the good jokes have that delayed laughter from you like that the, one. yeah, yeah exactly. are
1: we listening to a different show that yeah. we have good jokes <laughs> no you know what i mean but so anyway, so if
0: it annoys you get an isdn set up man I'm, I'm i don't know to go. if that would
1: help because we're still so far away john um, it
0: has nothing to do with it, it, the delay has nothing to do uh well actually it has a little bit to do with the fact that you know it's it's not a direct uh full-time circuit it's uh you know packets that are flying around the internet uh Skype has to buffer all that shit. So it's never gonna get any less that delay on this type of technology. But on the um uh I don't think distance has that much to do with it. Uh when you come to ISDN it's just IP packets, it's but it's a direct search well, you know what? Once you get one, we'll try it out, dude. Well,
1: you know, there's we got a couple of emails for people to say this is not as clean as necessarily as you like to make it out to be. Yeah, but I've, I've from been the, using from this. This l- l- from London to here; is a long haul.
0: Well, let's let's give it a shot. It can't be worse than Skype.
1: Well, that it'll may certainly be, be, true, be better quality. Yeah. Well, the quality would probably, better. Be- yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay. We'll we'll do that. Let me put it. Hold on. Let me write this down.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and put it on top of the pile of other notes of things to do. <laughs> Get Skype. Mm. Hmm. No, get ISDN, not Skype. Oh,
1: I'm sorry. See, I made a mistake already. Yeah.
0: <laughs> just get a, a a Talos thing or whatever. Make sure you have the uh, the AAC codex loaded. Oh, they all have the same thing. Yeah, well, just, just I got ISDN in um, in the condo now. I haven't tried it out yet, but I do have it in the Congo. In, in the condo, the curry, oh, condo. the curry condo, over in San Francisco. Yeah. I had it put in. Huh. hmm
1: So um, what's going on over there in the EU?
0: Well, a lot's going on.
1: As um, hey, Lund- far as I can tell, from our news coverage, nothing's going on
0: over okay. there. Okay. Uh, you guys hear this little thing called the big uh, 90th Nelson Mandela birthday bash in Hyde Park? Nope. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, Nelson Mandela celebrated his 90th birthday. Um, in fact, half of uh, the U.S. show business is here. Let's see, Will Smith was here. Jay-Z was here. Um, I mean, it's a huge, huge party. Um, and, uh, of course, it's it royally messed up all traffic for most of the week in in the city and coming in and out of the city. Um, so that was pretty big. And, of course, what... Whatever- so is
1: Will Smith, is Will Smith like... I'm sorry. Is Will Smith some sort of old uh, running buddy with Nelson Mandela? I mean, what's the connection there? Uh, Just, oh, I wait. They're both black. Is that
0: the only thing? No. Didn't he play Nelson Mandela in a movie, or did? Wasn't he in a Nelson Mandela? Yeah, I thought he was. Or wasn't he in? I know he played Muhammad Ali. Oh, okay. Well, that would explain it. Yeah, but you know, and also, um, I don't know. Will Smith's a, a social thinking kind of guy, you know, and, uh, and he's a great performer. Yeah. Oh, did that, he perform? Yeah, yeah. He performed on stage. And uh, so Jay Z is, is a- Nelson.
1: It, 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 well, he's a he's a rapper.
0: Uh, who Nelson Mandela?
1: <laughs> no, uh, no, Will Smith. So is Nelson Originally, Mandela uh,
0: into rap? Really? really? It, you know, Nelson Mandela and everything, you know, it's a, it's all kinds of musical acts. Yeah, I don't think the guy yeah. doesn't give a shit. He's 90. You know, when you're 90, you'll say, you, oh, look at these young people doing anything on stage. You're happy. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, whatever the fuck the guy's doing. But Will Smith is kind of an ambassador. You know, he's a very positive, very energetic type of guy. I met him in 1988. We did a gig together. Um... God, it was in Pennsylvania, I think. It was like a Nintendo launch or something of Super Mario Brothers or whatever. And he was still doing uh, "Parents Just Don't Understand" with the, uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff, which, of course, was okay. his, were his, were his, his roots. Partner, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, I, and even then, I was like, yeah, really nice guy, nice guy. And Jay-Z, so they were all on uh, Jonathan Ross last night. Jay-Z is headlining, this is kind of controversial, Jay-Z is headlining Glastonbury this year, which traditionally is more like a, kind of like a rock concert, and um, it didn't sell out this year. And uh, the critics are saying that that's because uh, Jay-Z was chosen as the headliner. Very controversial issue, you understand.
1: So let me tell you, the United States, uh, the way we handled this.
0: <laughs> what, Nelson Top Mandela?
1: Nelson of- Mandela? Yeah, I'm looking at the news rundown. Here it is. Top of the thing, top of the news, which was actually really only run in India. Uh, the U.S. approves a bill that removes Nelson Mandela from the, from the no-fly list.
0: list. Yeah, I read that.
1: I read that. Yeah, wow. right. Well, you know what? So that that yeah. was a birthday gift.
0: Well, there's a lot of things going on here that um, actually I wanted to ask you about. Um
1: well, let me to bring up one more story though. Okay. This because this will interest you. This is the ty- they the way they handled the headline in Fox News. <laughs> Singer Amy Winehouse That's takes funny. the stage at Nelson Mandela birthday
0: show. Thank God we got an Amy Winehouse reference in. Damn it. Now <laughs> and now it's newsworthy. That's got to be top of the headlines everybody. Cock uh, Anyway. So uh I've been trained now. Um, partially due to my own uh, investigation and work and uh, experience, but certainly uh, in the past 36 episodes of No Agenda, uh, I've been trained to be very suspicious of big headlines, and this Zimbabwe thing really has all my bullshit meters going off. Have you been following this?
1: Yeah, I think that has been covered over here uh, to some extent, mostly by the news hour type shows or the ones that get into it in depth. The regular news, of course, is just, uh, you know, that uh, this guy doesn't want to leave office. And, they, you know, they beat the crap out of his opponent's uh, supporters and the opponent took off and said, I'm not I'm I'm out of here. And, you know, we got I think we've got the gist
0: of it. Well, because what is the gist of it? That's the part that is the bullshit. I mean, this guy has been around for decades, this Mugabe. And uh, whenever I hear, oh, it's an undemocratic process and we have to go in and uh, peacekeeping troops have to keep watch over the democratic process and the voting has to be democratic. Whenever I hear that, I'm like, "Okay, what does this country have that we need? And I know it's not oil. Um, but what I have discovered is that I think seventy or eighty percent of all British vegetables come from Zimbabwe, <laughs> and tobacco. All the good it's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah and tobacco is another uh, another big thing. But of course, the economy over there has collapsed. You know, uh, uh, a, a loaf of bread costs forty five uh, billion uh, Zimbabwe dollars. No kidding, <laughs> no, it's no, in got- the billions now.
1: Yeah, you know, I've got a, a call out. Uh, I've been, unfortunately, I haven't been able to score it. and It's really irking me to know. Ex- to no end. Uh, I got one more source I think for this before they before they go away. But right now they're paying for everything in uh Zimbabwe in bricks of money. Yeah. Uh Farther, further along than they did in you know the the hyperinflation. Uh, well, they, you know these these various countries have had a hyperinflation. Germany, of course, in the thirties was famous, but more recently, of course, Brazil. Yep. uh... Twenty years ago was hyperinflation. I have a couple five hundred thousand <laughs> cruzeiro uh, Notes. bills. Yeah, awesome. So like five hundred thousand, you know, the equivalent of dollars. Five hundred thousand is a bill. And it was, was worth like I think I went to Brazil when I when that bill was around, and 20, I think the bill cents. was worth a dollar when I got it, and two days later it was worth ten cents, something yeah. like that.
0: But the thing, so, the thing was, so John,
1: Zimbabwe—they've got these. Go ahead. Well, I'm just going to say in Zimbabwe because they don't—they're not printing these high notes. They're—they're they're, they're people buy with these bricks of money. So you have a brick of money. It's like piles, and the the brick is an equivalent of you know a couple of bucks. And I've been trying to get somebody to get me some of these bricks of money, especially the ones that have uh, Mugabe's picture on them. All right. Because personally, I think they're collectible.
0: Now I think you're probably right. I was actually um, there were like four stories in the Financial Times yesterday, which I read on the on the train into the city, uh, that I actually circled. Let me just find the one about um, about. Uh, Zimbabwe, because they said it was a pretty funny line. They said it, it was more expensive because, you know, they've limited what you can take out of the ATM machine just because, they, you know, there's not enough paper can come out. So <laughs> it was actually more expensive to drive to the ATM for the amount of money you could withdraw that people are no longer going to the ATM. They're, just giving, <laughs> up on, they're giving up on money in general. <laughs> which is but it was it was dominating the headlines so much John and you know there's all kinds of other stuff going on it was it was for 3 days straight nonstop all over Europe at least what i could see cuz i did skim around a bit I was like, you know, th- this has to be for some other reason. Why is this the most important story? It's like, no one gives a f- shit about Zimbabwe for years, and then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, surprise, surprise. You know, one of, this guy who I've never heard of, who uh, su- supposedly is his opponent in the elections, the undemocratic elections. And, you know, and then you kind of look into the history. It was known as <laughs> Rhodesia before it was Zimbabwe, and of course, uh, uh, well, basically, the white man came into the country, fucked everything up. Regardless, no matter what you say, that's the root of the problem. Um, but I was just interested. It's like, why are we so interested in this country? What is the deal now? Add to that, Nelson Mandela, of course. You know, and there's you know, there's like millions of Zimbabweans are now fleeing Zimbabwe into South Africa. I don't know, man. It's, it's I don't know. I really don't understand Africa. It's just a lot going on. Have you ever been there? I, dude, I lived in Uganda for three years. What are you talking about? Three ho- years in Uganda? Yeah, I was very young, but yeah, we lived in Uganda. Three years. Yeah. Before um, Idi Amin came in, it was, uh, at the time, Obote was president. Huh? Who, by the way, so was just as corrupt Have you been as back? Do you
1: go there? Do you visit? Do you have old reminiscences? Or what do you do?
0: Yes, I have reminiscences. And um, my dad was a, an, uh, an, a super 8 millimeter nut. So we have t- just tens and tens of uh, oh. Now we're talking stuff that should be posted. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know what? Um, I'm going to go talk to Bob. That's uh, my mom's uh, second husband. I know he has all that stuff, and I, I should get that transferred. And of course, it has no sound. It's only uh, um, you yeah. Know, you it's, could it's only a, you film. could do
1: talk. You can do a voiceover.
0: I really should do that because there's tons of wildlife footage and uh, and you know and oh cr- yeah, stuff. you you
1: got to do that before they, you know that stuff deteriorates it does, it
0: does deteriorate you, you know what I'll make that a point that'll be a project for the sometime between now and the end of the year I'll get that done so, so and, and, we, and we do have lots of uh, you know we have a uh, an ivory elephant tusk which has been completely carved you know mm. back when you could still you know when it was still legal obviously we have zebra skin rugs we have lion skin rugs we got a lot of stuff spears. Uh, some paintings. We have a lot of African uh, artifacts uh, that my parents collected in those uh, three years. Oh, well, that sounds like a... That sounds good. I still but don't understand get, the country, though. Yeah. My, well, my, let's... You know, it's, it's, a
1: bad, it's a crazy place.
0: My sister but was I, born there on uh, January 1st. Well, and it was a nightmare a, in the hospital. I'll bet.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of people that... I was talking to somebody the other day that was going to Africa, and... Uh, I, I, I warn them that uh, one of the problems that I've noticed with people who go to Africa a lot is that they get addicted to going there. Uh, there's some addictive mechanism about Africa. I always found Africa to be, you know, people say, well, you know, you, you just you imagine different things as largely savannas, at least most of what i saw as opposed to the 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 jungles that we imagine to be there like which are mostly the the kind of jungles that we visualized are typically amazonian in south america and there and the place is teeming with light like if you look on the ground anywhere you're it's just this bugs
0: yeah
1: you know i mean it's just there's so much wildlife there's bugs and there's birds that you've never imagined before it's just it's just it's like you know it's kind of i find it kind of distressing to be i'm not a big fan of africa i don't have any desire to go back
0: i think what people feel is you know the kind of it's real mother earth you know the real pole maybe because that of course where i think is where people really came from um maybe that's it maybe it's just a, a human dna connection but indeed I mean you're Christy. such a you're such a cracker ass white man I can understand where you have no affiliation with that so. <laughs> Exactly <laughs> you know Eastern
1: European stock um. uh. We, you know, we were invaded by the Mongols, kind of thing. So it's like I have no real um, affinity. Yeah, you to have no Africa. roots. You have no roots. I have to Africa. say, I mean, there's parts of it. it's a nice place. I mean, but I, but there are people that just go back. The, in fact, a friend of mine who lives up the street, who was used to be a journalist for uh, the Wall Street Journal, Greg Zachary, who was part of the Spangler uh, Club. He, uh, he's in Africa now, as far as I know. Huh. I got a note from him in Kenya, and I don't know what the hell he's even doing there.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, in uh, Africa is developing as well. You know, I was talking to a guy from Nokia yesterday. He says that uh, he says that in Africa and also India, honestly, you know, he he did mention two countries, but he said that uh, there's 60, that's 60, 60 million new cell phone subscribers coming online every month. What? Yeah. No, that's not possible. He said in India, if you take India and Africa combined. That's what he said. He said, "All of a sudden, there's look. These networks are just opening up. It's not a gradual thing. It's like it open up. It open, you know, you open up a whole new area, and you can uh, you can sell uh, a million of these candy bar phones. Absolutely, is possible.
1: You said sixty million a month.
0: Yes, at at the current at right now. That doesn't mean it's going to be sixty million in three months' time because everyone it'll be saturated, right? That that the new new the new markets, but there's new markets are exploding." How do they even make that many phones in Dude, such a rate? They make they make one million phone. They sell one million phones a day. We should be in the phone business. <laughs> no, you shouldn't because and this is very interesting. They have a uh, you know a per unit price and you know how much they make per unit. And you know I think Nokia is one of the smartest companies around. Uh, they understand very clearly what Apple, of course, is is telling everyone is it's about the services. You know, so if you can get the right services that people want, and you can put those on your phone, you know, many people are for the first time in their life are experiencing the internet, but it's not on a computer; it's on a handheld device. So no, 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 no. They're, and but the margins there, it's almost nothing. I'm sure. I mean, this is just plastic, John. This, you know, you you get throwaways. I mean, we're not talking, like, smartphones or anything in, in India. We're talking, you know, the gross is just a phone. And, uh, and it had maybe have a little, you know, a little mobile browser on there and some text messaging. But it doesn't have, you know, not big smartphone capabilities.
1: Hmm. So, uh, when was the last time
0: you were in Africa? <laughs> uh, 1967. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go back. But, you know, Russia, you
1: don't have the if you don't have the, the that that addiction, you know, maybe you shouldn't go back. Maybe you'll you'll pick it up. But I'm telling you, there's these people that are just basically go to Africa constantly and like they can't get out away from it. They just love the place.
0: Yeah, I, I, I kind of like, yeah, I don't know. There's no pull. Let's put it that way. And, nor do I have any kind of pull like I want to go to Asia desperately. Uh, I do want to go yeah, check sh- out. Huh? Yeah, you should.
1: You should at least want to check out Asia. You no, got go to go. To I've been to
0: Asia. I've been to different places in Asia, but is it, you know, I don't have that wanderlust. I did so many um, documentaries for uh, for television. Oh, right, right.
1: We talked about this already. Yeah. You were burned out on Asia.
0: I just burned out. Well, yeah, I did Australia. I think Australia. I'd love to go back to. I'd really love to go back to Australia. Uh, I did a documentary there. I did uh, the Caribbean. And, I, and i've been back to jamaica 15 20 times since that documentary
1: so you like jamaica then i fucking love jamaica oh i could live there oh now i but that we all would never mind That just don't even go there cuz i know no why but you no, like no, no, no 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 it's not just
0: about, it. about that no it's not just about that i that whole vibe i i re, i've always had something with reggae music um, it's everything it's the food it's um yeah i know a lot of people there you know the the and by the way this is in the north i'm not talking kingston uh, but, you know, on the the northern side. So, obviously, very calm and touristy and laid-back kind of life. But, yeah, I dig it, man. I totally, totally mm-hmm. dig it.
1: Why don't you get a place there?
0: And we've considered it many times. But, yeah, you should uh, get a place there. Nah, you could you probably know, well, you rent know it is, out to people. Well, there's a, there's a setup there. The, the, okay, it's interesting you bring that up. And it's called Round Hill. And Round Hill was set up in, uh, the fifties. In fact, uh, a lot of the architecture, it's basically, there's a, a, a round cove, uh, so, you know, and w- with a hill and there's, uh, I think maybe 35 or 40 villas are built into this, um, uh, into this hill at Round Hill. And so it's, it's, it's a closed community. Uh, but the deal is you buy your house, you model it, you put your, you know, all your own stuff in it. Every single house, everyone is different, but every house does have, uh, a cook. A housekeeper and a gardener, and you know they're locals who who come in and uh, and work, but they're assigned to uh, to a specific house, and so the central management. But then even if you buy the house, no matter you know what you do with it, but everyone has to bring it up to certain standards. Um, you know the deal is that it has to be rented out x number of weeks per year, and so of course you can choose when you're going to be there. You know it's one of those typical type of deals. But what's interesting is the people who have houses there. Uh, so the, the, by far the largest who's been there for, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 years is Ralph Lauren. Um, but, um, Bob Pittman also has a place. So, and I, and I've, uh, rented his house several times. He has a beautiful, uh, beautiful house there. So it's all people who basically, anyone who has a jet who can, you know, you know, take three and a half hours to fly down from New York or, uh, you know, hop across from, uh, um, from, from Florida. Uh, they all have these houses there, and there's it's spectacular. It's absolutely beautiful, and many many sure. times I've considered uh, buying one of those. But I knew I, you know, I never really take advantage of it. It'd just be stupid.
1: Well, let's go with the Pitman House. Wh- what does it cost to rent it?
0: Um. Well, of course that is uh, depends on the season. You know, obviously, uh, if you want to go now, you can get it pretty cheap. But you know, you'll die of heat exhaustion. Um. But in uh, in peak season for Jamaica. I think uh, at the time, I'm sure it's more now, last time I went was uh, three years ago. Uh, I think it was $10,000 a week.
1: $10,000 a week to rent, this, rent the guy's house, so that's uh, uh, $50,000 a month or so, 40000 Uh
0: Yeah, if, if you wanted to rent it for the whole period, yeah. Um, and you, that's kind of, that
1: seems high to me, because you can get a place in Spain, which is probably pretty spectacular for a lot less than that. Or uh, Portugal, yeah, which is where most of you Brits go.
0: Well, but but don't forget it's you know, you, you um you know you get your your breakfast and uh, and lunch and uh, dinner. You can decide what you want to do, but it, you know it, it's all cooked for you and um, everything. Every I mean, it's really it's a it's a great personalized service and um, and to so the house you know will sleep like six people you know so if you um you know if you, if you do the math it's probably not that expensive. I mean, well, within moderate. I mean, within context of me. Okay, I, I, I don't want to sound stupid.
1: Yeah, no, no. It's, it's probably if you did the math, you're right. If if you loaded it up with a bunch of frat boys or something like that, you could <laughs> probably split the split the bill and it's, you know, split the. It's, it's not a. <laughs>
0: it's not a frat boy type of place, John. That's not exactly uh, what it's like. No, not exactly. But, uh, okay, I just want to get a feeling for it, you know. But it's very Casablanca type um, vibe, you know, 50s, you know what I mean, like white uh, uh, picket fence type wood stuff and and blue and white stripes. Uh,
1: so you rent it, so you got the, okay, let's say you got the Bob Pittman house and you have mm-hmm. it for a week.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What are you going to do? What do you do? I mean, well, it's like, you know, it's like oh, uh, okay. I'm well, not, you're not in Paris.
0: No, but each house has its own swimming pool or most of them do. So, yeah, you, so you have got fine. your own setup, you know. It's uh, it's open living basically. So you're you're overlooking the ocean. You know, you've got a swimming pool there. You know, you've got anything you need. And uh, what I usually wind up doing, you know, is first, um, um, hammering out of my head for three three days straight, just trying to calm down and relax. Uh, and then you know, I'll hook up with my friends. And uh, there's restaurants in the uh, actually like in the woods. So not uh, it's not a restaurant that says restaurant. Uh, but it's where the where the locals go when they go out to eat, and so I'll hang out with them. And uh, you know, you make it
1: sound. Do you have to crap in the woods too? I mean, how does that work?
0: Um, no, they do have toilets, um, but not plumbing.
1: <laughs> Just saying, I mean, you make it sound. You make it sound as though it's like. Uh, well, it's primitive. I don't know, you, it's primitive. You know primitive. what the problem is? It's here's primitive. You, I'm gonna tell you what the no. Here's the problem with, with you and everybody else out there. Including all of all of these listeners. Okay. Me and everybody Nobody else. brings a camera. Nobody brings a camera. Nobody takes pictures. You know, it's that the Japanese, so I give them credit for this. It's a show It's a blog. I mean you've got a blog. You know, you have a blog. It's called Curry dot com for anyone who wants to oh, find John, it so, John,
0: John, John. You know, hold on. Hold or, on. Hold on. Calm you down. No photos calm, in calm there. Calm down. Nobody calm knows down. When. your wife looks like. Nobody knows. Are you, you, dude, do you even ever look at my fucking blog? Yeah, I do. Dude, you know, there's a little thing there called search. You want pictures of my wife? There's pictures of my wife. want pictures of Jamaica? There's pictures of Jamaica. You want pictures of me in Iraq? There's pictures of me in Iraq. Are you kidding me? I always take pictures of stuff like that. I'm going there now. But I didn't even know you then. And by the way, it may be on some other blog somewhere that died. You know, I don't know if it was all imported. But I have, a, now I have you're all... making
1: excuses. No, I There's have. A picture but, but but I here, always... Here's what I get. First picture I get is a picture of you holding a rocket.
0: <laughs> that's, uh, that's the artwork for Daily Source Code. <laughs> I'm such a rebel.
1: <laughs> There's a few Tech Fives. There's a picture of Britney Spears. Another Tech Five. There's a YouTube video of yeah, George that's... Bush. Hey, and there's a excuse picture me, of a John. Coke I've been bottle. kind of
0: busy lately, you know.
1: And a coke bottle. I'm mean, let me reiterate that one. Okay, let me do a search. Hang on. We're on curry why are you doing this? this sort of thing.
0: Just because I don't have thirty f- ass licking lackeys who post for me all day long doesn't mean that you know I don't have my shit together.
1: Patricia. I'm typing in. Let's see what she looks like in these pictures. Nothing. I got nothing here. Yeah, I got whole, no pictures no, you gotta go
0: to previous posts because i you know I mentioned Patricia a lot. this is all uh, uh-huh. shows well why don't you go to my Flickr page man? go to my Flickr page and look at I got tons of pictures I'm just saying in, in fact. They were so good, my pictures, that a gossip magazine stole them and reprinted them, and I had to sue them over it. I mean, come on. Uh, how can you, how can you, uh, uh, did you, if you were even remotely interested in that story, which of course was a, a huge cue, uh, a coup for the, um, Creative Commons, uh, copyright, which, you know, you pretend like you actually know anything about that case, then you would have gone and looked at the fucking pictures that the whole case was about. I might have.
1: You don't know that. You're, you're accusing me. Yeah, hell yeah. Say what's so? What's your name on Flickr?
0: Adam C nineteen
1: ninety nine.
0: That's well, no wonder.
1: You know, your name is Adam Curry. It would here I am. I'm looking at Adam C nineteen ninety nine. There isn't anything available to you tagged with. Okay, I'm looking at tags. Yeah,
0: the Flickr sucks. <laughs> Let's see. It's great pictures on my Flickr. I, I'm always uploading stuff. Uh, I actually had, you know, I can't, you know, it's yeah. ridiculous. I mean, you can't find crap on a Adam Flickr. C, 1999, and there's uh, uh, all kinds of beautiful pictures. Um, well, d-
1: well, well, I'm not getting there. I'm getting, a, I'm just hitting the tags thing. Oh, well, maybe kind it's too choice.
0: advanced for you, John. Hold on, let me Skype it to you. Damn. Ah. Oh, here we go. There. I right found here. something. No, no, I didn't. No, I just sent you the link uh-huh. in Skype. Please click yeah, okay. on that and then take a look. I did. You okay, let me just go with people look, should look, take look, this there, by no, the look. Way. There's a whole go look at that. It says right on the right hand side. I have a beautiful what do they call these galleries or whatever, a collection of my you wife. A picture of your
1: daughter's car. Look to the right. You have a look to the right. Picture of a
0: cat. Look to the right. Right next to the cat picture. You see that beautiful woman there? PP Glossy. It says.
1: The picture next to the cat that I'm seeing is a picture of your backyard, and it was snowed in. No, 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 no.
0: The, on the on the right hand side, there's uh, collections. The little icons. Little icons. Yeah, yeah, I see these.
1: You got Christina's Twingo, Wet iPhone Resurrection, which yes. is, I think, was five years ago. <laughs> Keep uh, going. A- AC gets shaken down,
0: and there, Christina. No, no. Porn. The, oh, it's a private picture. That's why you can't see that. It's not uh-huh. porn. It says Christina Prom, you schmuck. Oh, I'm sorry.
1: Christina's a prom. Look, look. Uh, oh, man. I, you I'm know, not seeing anything worth this. Thanksgiving, well, why, well, why here's a picture. Well, why don't you From click... 2006. Yeah, you're keeping up.
0: John, those Carol are collections. Tinsen and me. Yeah, but that... Oh. 1986. Now, now <laughs> stop it. Look, just click... Go down the bottom and click... Just, no, you know what? I don't give a shit. You know, I got plenty of pictures. <laughs> I got, I got more than enough pictures.
1: All right, if you say so, I'll take your word for it. I obviously have not run into them.
0: You know what I? Um, but it seems to me
1: there's a lot of stuff that you could, because I've never seen you even with a camera.
0: I use my, uh, my phone, my, uh, my cell phone. Oh, it doesn't well, have. I guess it doesn't that give explains it. it. But if you go through, there's all kinds of great pictures. This is from uh, our, vac- our vacation, the family reunion. Um, There's all kinds of stuff. Dr. Cockney here, I see. And there's my... Uh, oh, there's all kinds. You Just go to the second page, man. I, got I think fifth- those
1: are all private because I'm not saying... No, they're just not. Just they're not. They're not.
0: You've you the got, public you've, you've, no, it's not mediocre. You've got to okay, go to the, to the second page and the third page. I have 51 pages of pictures. All right, all 923 all right. items.
1: Well, the Isle of Wight. Now, here you have a picture that would interest me. Now, this is, you know, this is the kind of picture I'd take. Uh,
0: which one The is Crab
1: that? and Lobster in
0: Sign. Yeah, that's... Uh, wh- where, are you seeing th- where are you seeing that? It's under the Isle of Wight set. Oh, oh, let me see. Oh, that's when I... Okay, that was when Patricia and I went to uh, the Isle of Wight. And you go there mainly to eat uh, at the Crab and Lobster pub, which is overlooking the... Uh, Overlooking the ocean. Oh, and there's a, there's a picture of Patricia with her sunglasses on. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Thank
1: and you. let me read this sign because it's kind of funny. Crab and lobster in... See, this is the kind of stuff that I like to blog. You should be blogging this. Crab, or you should have. Crab and lobster in... Glasses, crockery, and cutlery, etc., must not be taken to the beach or away from this area. It's just a funny, you know, ridiculous... <laughs> it's
0: a good sign, <laughs> don't want isn't you it? you to
1: steal the cutlery.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. But a lot of so, but Flickr has a nice thing where you know you, you upload your pictures, and if you want to blog it, there's just one click. So a lot of these have been blogged because um, that connection works. In fact, that's the same thing that that we've been talking about using. Uh, Flickr you know, connects to any weblog. Well, see, here's a problem I have that irks me. Mm. So
1: you know, Google bought I, I, one of the things I did with Flickr. I'm not a big fan. Ya- of,
0: Yahoo I'm bought big. Flickr, not Google. Yahoo.
1: Yahoo, I'm sorry. The, uh, but I'm not a, you know, uh, a fan of all these public photo albums, even though I'm giving you crap for not having one. Uh, I actually don't like doing them because I think it's like, who needs to know this stuff anyway? Except so that, you know, let's I'll take a picture of that sign, but I don't want a bunch of family pictures everywhere. And, uh, but I did do a, a public photo album of all the, empl- of all the, I, take a lot of pictures with a camera and I I when I was at ZDTV I took pictures of the staff and everybody's ever worked there and people who came through and people that were on shows and so I took like hundreds of pictures at ZDTV and I was in the process of posting them all because you know for people who want to reminisce or whatever and then Yahoo buys them and I can't use the uploader and I can't I can't the 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 password doesn't work and so these basically these this whole album is stuck kind of frozen in limbo because of Yahoo taking over the operation and I so I just gave up on it.
0: I like it. I I you know it's it's worked okay. I have Flickr Pro which gives you a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of benefits. Actually you know what's funny? I, I was I was flying uh I was at the airport on Monday, I was going to go over, I had some family business to take care of in Holland, in uh, Amsterdam. And so I'm at the airport, and this guy, um, um, Hugh, who has um, uh, an imaging company, um, an airborne imaging company, he does imaging of power lines. And I've been, you know, he's been a listener for a long time of the Daily Source Code, and he listens to uh, No Agenda. And he came out and he said, you know, I was thinking about what you guys were saying and he says, you know, so there's the, you know, the new chipsets, the new GPS chipsets are really important for, uh, uh, for, you know, what we were talking about, have a ca- having a camera with a GPS in it and a geo tags, et cetera. Um, and he showed me this setup, you know, that has these new chips. So the minute you turn it on, it immediately fixes this or almost you know, within like three seconds, it has a signal, which is, which is what these new chips, chipsets are going to be able to do. But he also had another sensor in it. So you not only did you know the exact position where the picture was taken, but also you had the compass direction the camera was pointed. How cool oh, is that?
1: That's totally cool. I mean, I was like, but wow. Of course, we're a couple of
0: obvious nerds. Yeah, but, somebody, but, but he has an azimuth, so he, you know, so he knows the altitude, right? He knows the, the, the compass direction. He knows the exact location. I mean, that's hot shit. I mean, now, now you, think of what cool stuff you could build with that, man. That's awesome.
1: Well, one of the things you can do, you know, this was presented by, I think, a Microsoft guy originally, or maybe somebody from MIT. No, this guy God makes God it
0: himself. Where. This is a guy who but, makes it I mean, himself, John. This is a home-built No, no home-built but I'm thing. saying
1: that technology is obviously, uh, yeah. obviously something that should be on all cameras, right? Yeah. And what it leads project of an underlying project that's being worked on, um, in the kind of in the background, where you just load, if you have enough of this information, you can just load every photo you can get your hands on that has GPS data on it, and recreate the world in a virtual space, Yeah. so I could bring up a map of Paris, and then say, what is it like on this block, kind of like the way the Google guys have been doing by driving around. Yeah. And pretty much have, you know, limitless photographs.
0: Well, clearly that's the way forward. Look, I mean, the, the, the Google street mapping stuff is, you know, it do, do, doesn't scale. You know, you've got to get the community doing this. That's the only way to really make it happen.
1: Right. It doesn't scale. Unless they buy more Volkswagens.
0: It was funny. I, um, you called me, and I was just driving back from, uh, I picked up the newspaper, and I rounded the corner onto our road, and I see this Google sign. And it said, like, A3 fencing. Google US and had the Google logo. I'm like, man, maybe it's... The, and, I, and I actually stopped the car to get out and take a picture, believe it or not, John. Um, you have it? Well, hold on a second. So I, 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 get, I, I park the car. I take my cell phone. I go over to take a picture. And I'm like, I'm sure this is like some kind of marker for Google street maps, right? They're finally hitting my town. And this is interesting. So I go over to take the picture. And then I realize it's actually uh, an ad for the fencing company... <laughs> And it's not Google US. It's A3 fencing. Google us. <laughs> <laughs> Google us. But it took me. You know, my 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 mind went immediately to oh, this is secret because it had the it didn't say Google isn't you know it it, it said Google but it was the Google logo, and in the words Google spelled out. So I was like that that must be some kind of marker. But it was just an ad. If you want to get A3 fencing, go ahead. Google us.
1: Huh. Seems like a some sort of a violation of copyright to use the logo. No, I'm Maybe sure.
0: Maybe not. I'm, I'm sure it is, but who gives a shit?
1: Well, so anyway, these uh, I visited a friend of mine because I went uh, down to the uh, to Livermore the other day, and to look at some software he's developing, and he gave me his address. So I punched it into the Google Maps, and they had. And this is on the middle of nowhere. They had not only he didn't even know this, but they had not only that street. Uh, in that you know they have the view. Google View or whatever it's called of the actual photos yeah. of the houses, but yeah, I could find you actually could find his house in high def, mm-hmm. and you know I could was, there was his place, and I went and saw it, and it was that was it, and it, I just thought it was kind of creepy, isn't it? It's 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 useful and creepy at the same time, because I have a total mixed feeling about it. It's like it's something it's handy. I mean, it's cool because then you don't have to drive around so much looking for something. I can see where it could be very useful. But it's like, do we really need all of our houses? To, you know, I mean, it's almost as though it's like for the invasion of the Nazis or something. I mean, it's like, why do we need the I don't know. I haven't like I said, I don't know. How do you feel about it? Because I, I can't come to any kind of a conclusion
0: i understand what you mean because um patricia has the same feeling you know cause, because i've introduced her to google earth and uh and uh um, you know she's looking at houses right now um uh in the city and so i said well you just get the zip code or postcode as they call it here and you just enter it in and boop you zoom right in and you can zoom in zoom out and she's and she's really really enjoying that process but whenever i show her our house she's like well that's kind of creepy Say well, yeah. I mean, yeah. You you get the good with the bad. Now, personally, as an aviator, it's awesome because you know the whole idea of flying to an airfield you've never been to before, and yeah, you can see a picture. uh, And most uh, airfields and airports have pictures now. You know, aerial pictures. They have websites, so you can get some information. But when you can actually. Flying approach with Google Earth, you know, it's like, okay, I'm, here's where I'm going to be coming in from. Oh, okay, it looks like that. You know, boy, it gives you such a, a self-assured feeling. You really understand the layout. You have the situational awareness from, um, you know, a much richer data set than than what you typically have in aviation, which is, you know, maps and charts and uh, and, and symbols and warnings. Um, so in that, I think it's good. I, mean, I don't mind. You know, look, the government can see what I'm buying with my credit card. You know, what the fuck difference do I care if someone can see my house? You know, it, it's all over. There is no privacy. It's a, it's a joke.
1: What well, is a joke? But I think we need to fight for our rights to privacy anyway. Well, that thing about uh, the credit I, cards, I, that, yeah, that's
0: bugged me. That's—you know, I've been watching, no one is talking about that. No, even, not even on, on blogs. Where is, where is that? Where's the outrage over that?
1: Oh, about the fact that they could tell everything and, you know, yeah. Yeah,
0: the credit card companies have to report all well, transactions they, you know, to the they're, government.
1: They're, they say they're not abusing it, you know, but they, of course, yeah, no... Oh, do you're right, the thing about training you know, all the info oh, that's weird. I mean, we blogged it, and there's nobody oh well, it's just terrible. It's gotten to the point where they're just hounding us to such an extreme, you know taking away our rights and putting cameras
0: everywhere We're giving up. Those, those we're so giving people, up John. Just, we're giving up I think it's pathetic someone sent me a quote, uh, I gotta play this for you now because I thought it was actually really fucking brilliant, and even though I played it on the daily source code, um listen to this. Hold on a second. Let me see if I can play this.
1: Hi, Adam. This is Justin from
0: backandbuzzpodcast.com.
1: And you've been talking
0: about lately why people won't stand up for their uh, liberties being stripped away. Well, I figured it out, and it's like this. Fuck, um, where's this?
1: Okay. All that was required of them was a primitive patriotism which could be appealed to whenever
0: it was necessary to make them accept longer working hours or shorter rations. And even when they became discontented,
1: as they sometimes did, their discontent led nowhere. Because being without general ideas, they can only focus on petty, specific grievances. That's from uh, George Orwell, 1984. All right, man. They work for us. So. That brings Britney Spears back into the picture.
0: (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It is exactly right. Britney Spears, you know, distractions.
1: Distractions, and Britney Spears is one of the... And Amy Winehouse. And Amy Winehouse, yeah. Well, who's, you know... On a death spiral.
0: Oh, hold on! I was uh, we we did that. Um, we named last week's episode. What did we name it? Yahoo Microsoft equals Britney Spears. Yeah, we did that to see if it would jack up the uh, the numbers. Let me just check because uh, I haven't actually looked. I haven't looked in a in a while. I had a couple of people write in about that. What is that supposed to mean?
1: Even though, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. Did you listen, you to, listen to, the to the show? Yeah.
0: Did you listen to the freaking <laughs> show? Get the hell out of here!
1: <laughs> if you listen to the show. We explained in great detail what it means.
0: Jeez, Louise. Ah, oh, fuck! I don't have my password. I, I so you
1: sent it. me. A, so you sent me a picture of your airplane. Which I should blog, by the way, unless pho- you don't want me to. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's okay. It's it's a it's a Photoshop job. Obviously, my wife isn't actually on the nose of the oh, airplane. Oh, <laughs> see, I
1: was I, I was not aware of that because I yeah. was thinking the joke was no wonder she won't fly
0: with you. you <laughs> that, know? Well, that's that's why someone uh, made that Photoshop picture for me because oh, uh, it's a great yeah. it's a great Photoshop job. It's good, I, isn't I it? Look, yeah. No, it's not, it, well.
1: I mean, even being told it's Photoshop, I'm not. I'd have to really, I'd have to have a bigger blow up to see that it was a fake. But that's it's, pretty it's good. actually, you maybe should have somebody, pay, you know, except for the, the, the type font being used there. I don't like that uh, particular font. Right. It's, um, I know what it is too, and it's just old fashioned. You should really go really old fashioned and do some font from like World War II. Yeah, that would but be it, better. For people out there who know what we're talking about, and I'll have this blog. that's a picture of Adam's little airplane. I'll have my people
0: with, blog this for me. Yes, John. Uh, Bubba will do
1: it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a picture of. Uh, Bubba can put it on the cage match. It's a picture of Adam's airplane, but in, but it has like one of those, like a World War II painting of a, of a, Varga, a girl. Pin Varga girl. up Varga girl on the front, and uh, like, it, you know, the bombers used to have. It was the name, the Lady Patricia, <laughs> uh, stenciled on it next to it, and it looks real.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. I've seen my new plane, John. I can't wait. It comes out in 2010. What is it? Are you
1: going to buy a Dreamliner?
0: No, <laughs> no. It's um, Cirrus. There, um, th- there's been a lot of talk about this, and they there were some uh, like sneak shots. Finally, it's about to make its first test flight in the actual uh, model and you know the the configuration that, that they're going to sell it in. Uh, it's called uh, the jet, is what they call it, and it's a se- it's a, it's really it's a five person, but it can be with it has two jump seats, so it can be a seven person personal jet with one jet engine. Uh, it has, uh, approach speeds similar to that of propeller airplanes. So you could land it, you know, on, uh, on smaller airstrips. It does about 300 knots. But the price tag is what's amazing. It's going to be like $1.3 million. Of course, in 2010, that may mean nothing. It could, that they might, it might have to be $10 million. But, uh, at today's price is $1.3 million, which for what you're getting, uh, airplane wise is well, just a, gen- a lot of plane. What-
1: What's what does a jet normally cost?
0: Well, you can't. It doesn't work that way. Like but what do you What do you want? Jet. You got you. Well, you know which model the twenty five, the thirty five, the forty five, the fifty five. You know, do you want? Are you talking well, about just it? give me
1: some price. Give me a price range. Is what I'm. Looking.
0: Well, 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 how many people do you want to move and how far? That's it. Doesn't work by. That's the only way it works. You know, how far do you want to go and how many? No, but
1: there's a price. There's got to be a price for the cheap one. What's the cheapest jet you can buy? Well, okay. Let's look that at it. only goes five miles. I mean, I don't care about that. Just what's but that's what it's about, John. You can't give me a price. You're like one of those let sales me, let, no, guys no, no, no no, 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 okay. So what can I? What do I have to pay let for this me car? Get, Well, you know, if you have to
0: ask, <laughs> you can't afford okay, it. Okay, I'll give you a range. Okay, I'll give you a range. So this this Cessna, uh, uh, the Cirrus jet, will be one point three million dollars. Its range will be about a thousand nautical miles. And, uh, you can, you know, let's just say you can take five adults uh, sitting down, not walking around the cabin. Okay. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, you have Ray Lane, who has a G5, which you can carry. I think it's configured for 14 people with a bedroom and a shower and a stand up cabin. You know, that's like $57 million. So okay. if you're, if you're looking at anything comparable to this, uh, Cirrus jet would be more in the $3 million range so it's really it's an incredible price reduction okay but All even right. even if you were to get a a turboprop King Air, you know it's going to be two million dollars uh for a a very comparable airplane, but this one will actually fly cheaper because it only has uh, not only does it not have a prop it only has one engine it's it's a new power plant you know this is this is new this thing is really tiny it's mm. it's yeah it's uh, phenomenal and and what I like about it is they modeled the airplane after a car after a, you know the, the conveniences of a minivan which i've been saying for years you know there's the flying car will not happen it's called an airplane you
1: know it's it's a um, the image of a flying minivan is just be i'm going to have to uh, do a photoshop job myself <laughs>
0: try to spell this Cirrus thing uh, you go to Cirrus dot Design, design.com. You know, you're
1: in a sour mood today, by
0: the way. No, not at all. Not at all. I'm just yeah. fighting back. I'm just not going to take any shit from you.
1: No, I think so. I think you're something. You're accusing
0: Cirrus me. Plus, <laughs> Cirrus plus Garmin
1: equals revolution. Yeah. Were they hooked up with Garmin? Yeah. The, so the, is this the sr 22 you're going to get?
0: No, no. Not the sr 22 Go to the Jet. So the sr 22 was a very successful model they made. Oh, so, there it is. It's called the Jet. Yeah, the Jet. Yeah. Look at it, man. Look at how it's pretty v, that thing is. It's got a V-tail. That's V-tail, interesting. Yeah. I, and, well, they, and the jet
1: engine sits on top of it. It's a really pretty
0: thing. Yeah, if, you, if you go deeper into the site and it talks about the history, because they've been developing this thing for like 15 years, you'll see mm-hmm. how they came up with the, with the V-tail um, solution and why. There's it's a lot of thinking. It's really it's a fascinating story. And that whole company has just been amazing. These Cirrus airplanes, although I won't fly that one because I don't like their fiberglass plastic-ass wing that just feels dinky to me. Um I'm, I'm definitely more a sheet metal and rivet type guy. <laughs> but Which brings uh, up the, the interesting story,
1: which, uh, curiously, I was thinking about earlier, because I'm holding a piece of uh, plastic that fell off of something I have around here in the messy office, which needs cleaning, by the way. Um, that's a, some sort of composite thing. And I was thinking about how, you know, with tennis rackets, they went from wood rackets... To aluminum rackets, to graphite composite rackets, which essentially now they're all high tech rackets. And, you know, which is the same progression that we've had with airplanes, which is wooden planes to aluminum to now the Dreamliner from Boeing, which is what I thought you were buying, uh, is there's no aluminum on it. Yeah, it's all composite. I don't know. I mean, do you trust that? I mean, does that yes. scare you?
0: No, no, no. Cause, uh, when I was flying helicopters, helicopter blades used to be made of metal. In fact, at one point they were made of wood. They're all composite now. No, this, that shit is strong, man. The fiberglass stuff that Cirrus is doing, I, I don't know about that. Because, you know, if you're, if you shake one wingtip, the other one really rattles up and down. It's just like, it just doesn't feel right. And by the way, any, any aircraft manufacturer who, Uh, uh, includes a parachute with their aircraft. It just doesn't, it doesn't sound right.
1: Is this the planes that have the parachute, that the whole plane gets parachuted down?
0: Yeah, it's called... uh, Are
1: you familiar with that, right?
0: Yeah, that's what this is. It's called the uh, ballistic recovery system.
1: Right. So in other words, the plane craps out. Yeah. And in the middle of nowhere, and you just pop the chute, and the entire plane Floats is parachuted to
0: safely to yeah. earth. Yeah, the, almost every new plane, no, all small You don't, like don't you think that? Now, well, let me explain. So, is the jet going to have that? Yes. Um, so, uh, so this is uh, obviously uh, it's a new development, and now all these aircraft are being uh, outfitted with it, but. It's, you know, from an aviation standpoint, first of all, it's heavy, it adds a lot of weight, there's a lot of extra, you know, there's some downsides to having the system on board. But what uh, what is happening, and this is why, you know, aviators think it's kind of lame, is that it's not because the plane is crapping out, it's, you know, the planes are flying. It's because people now are pushing themselves into situations they really shouldn't put themselves in because they're just not experienced enough because they think they have this ultimate backstop of a parachute. Ah uh, yes. This, by Excellent. the way, is is the same aircraft that uh, Corey Little killed himself in when he crashed uh, on the east side of the New York River. That was an SR twenty. I think it was either a twenty or twenty two. Um, you know, but but that's really what's happening. And if you look at the statistics of people who pull the parachute on these planes, it's because they got in a, into a situation they never should have been in, and they they are pushing themselves too far. And you know, at a certain point, uh, I look at Corey Little. You can't. The parachute's not going to help you. You know. You, that accident was a terrible, terrible underestimation, a bad, bad uh, judgment call.
1: Yeah, we talked about that before. I can't remember the details. Uh, well,
0: I'd be happy to tell you, but, yeah, if you want to go so through I'm it.
1: looking at the uh, interior of this jet. I'll
0: go for a ride on this thing. How hot is that, huh? Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. One point, and you see how little that engine is? It's a very tiny engine yeah
1: I know it looks like a it's so yeah, cute. I mean it's like a jet fighter. This thing looks very futuristic. It's a very uh pretty plane, and for the price, I'm sure is a deal.
0: oh it's it's an incredible deal because I've been looking you know I've, I've been thinking you know in a year and a half or so, maybe I, you know maybe I'll have a little more time, who knows? I uh, definitely want to do some more uh, you know flying at altitude, so you want to have something that's pressurized, uh, particularly my wife, uh, altitudes don't work well with her and her uh, circulation for her heart. Um, and so I've been looking at the uh, Piper Meridian, and that's a single engine turboprop, which is smaller than this, much smaller, in fact. That's $1.8 million. You know, you look at a King Air, $1.9, and, and, you know, this is a revolution. The pricing is just an outrageously low price.
1: Well, you know the thing that's I every once in a while I can't consider this that with small general aviation planes, these little one engine prop jobs, you know the jets have long since been. I mean, for commercial aviation, nobody uses prop planes anymore. Except, you know, there may be some old clunkers uh, left in the can army. I, can
0: I just interrupt you and tell you that there is since the Cirrus came out, there's a whole revolution in air taxis. These things are being used all across America as air taxis for commercial aviation.
1: Well, you know, the prop planes are being used by Horizon and all these little puddle jumpers for small airports all over the place. But I've always been of the opinion that the, there's that's because they have never shrunk the jet engine enough. Yeah, and, absolutely right. uh because if you, put, right. if you do the math on how you know the two engines work, uh, the jets are just superior to to uh,
0: to props. Oh, oh, absolutely. Well, that's what this whole VLJ category is about. Is they're called very light jets, and they're all using uh, these new smaller turbines. Uh, Honda is—they're uh, coming out with a. It'll have two engines, but it's also a very light jet. It's also going to have a very low price. Uh, it's a, it's different you know it's a, it's much more of a a corporate type get me from a to b quick type of thing whereas this this serious thing looks kind of like a family family roundabout in fact you'll see um uh, when you look at the site later you'll see a, a picture of a a minivan and how they modeled <laughs> you know everything even the doors open up like a minivan you know wing doors opening up on bo- both sides easy to get into it, that's the future man it is i mean yeah it's still expensive but look at how cheap that's it's a 50% redu- or 100% pr- a reduction in price in just a few years
1: well 50%. 50%. The uh, 100% would be, I'm be
0: sorry, 50%.
1: free. Uh, Williams, the, the, the thing that intrigues me here is the jet again, and not so much because I can't afford one of these, obviously. I don't fly. But uh, I'm looking at this as like there's an interesting investment opportunity for people making these small jets. So the company making this little fan jet, the FJ334A-19, is a company called William. And what do we know about them?
0: Um, I don't know much about them at all, except uh, there's a whole story there as well. The engine
1: companies to me always Pratt and Whitney, General Electric, and Rolls Royce are the big boys.
0: Yeah, these. Well, it's all the it's all this new uh, technology to be able to create this shit in your garage. It's interesting. Well, hey, here's one for you, John. I just wanted to read this. Uh, This was the front page of the Financial Times yesterday. This was kind of amazing. Uh, So Gazprom. Which, of course, is the uh, the Russian uh, gas and oil company. Who I think they pretty much uh, stole all of the everything from every other company and person who owned anything that had to do with gas and oil in Russia. Isn't that kind of what's been happening for the past five years?
1: Uh, this, there's some level, some kind of corruption we don't
0: understand. Yeah. So anyway, the CEO said uh, he came out and said uh, OPEC doesn't determine the price of oil anymore. He says, you know, e- even if they raise production, the price of oil still goes up. He says they have no real influence on prices. Not a single decision has been passed of late that would really influence the global oil market. And here it comes. In the coming years Gazprom will not just will will be not just a major company in the world, but the most influential in the energy business, adding that its target was to reach a market capitalization of 1 trillion dollars. And goes <laughs> and goes on to say Check this out. Uh, competition for gas and other energy resources was growing. And he stood by his prediction the price of oil would hit $250 a barrel next year. Wow, that's a good one. That's good. And front page, man. I was like, holy crap.
1: I haven't heard the 250 thing. I know they're pushing the 200 So So I was uh, doing Andrew Horowitz's show uh, today. Mm -hmm. and uh because he had michael greenberger on
0: what time did you do this really early this morning
1: yeah that feel great yeah but is that was that video maybe i'm the grouch no um no, it was just an audio thing. But Michael Greenberg is the guy who's been testifying in front of the Senate. Uh, he's a former regulator about the fact that these oil prices are fixed. They're rigged. There's a, there's a phony baloney market that has no supervision, mm-hmm. and nobody knows what's really going on in the background. And, and, and this, the president of Shell came out the other day saying, hey, the oil prices are bullshit. Uh, real, the price should be around 80 bucks."
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, Barroso, it- the president of the European Union, said it has nothing to do with traders, but he's he he has started an investigation. They will report back in december
1: yeah when it's, you know when we were broke
0: when we're broke thank you
1: so anyway. um uh- you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is this all stems from a 2000 uh, writer put into a, a a bill in Congress called the Enron loophole. And I tell people, you can go look it up and read it all you want on your own. And this loophole's never been closed. And it's what caused the Enron crisis. It's what's caused the natu- you know the fact that uh, Morgan Stanley now holds uh, monopoly powers over most of the heating oil that's going to be going into the northeast. I'm uh, not heating oil, but the natural gas gas that people use to warm their houses when it gets cold. And there's all these other elements of just out and out corruption, based on the fact that there's an unregulated trading market that is 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 essentially fixed. There's no supply and demand problem like all these writers are are putting out there because you, do, you because if there's a supply, and de, you would be able to to transparently see if there is. But if somebody's telling you, yeah, 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 we got, yeah, well, you want to buy some futures contract for oil? Uh, it's a one forty, and that that's it. You do, you got no choice because they're making it up. So And then it's 142 tomorrow. Then it's 150
0: So while well, you just said that, I googled Enron loophole. The top link is uh, something called stopoilspeculators.com. Yeah. Well, Have you one seen that one? Have you seen that one? I haven't no, seen that. No, I haven't.
1: Mm, interesting. No, but people should be re- catching should up be, to this they should be aware of this. Yeah, this is
0: great. This is, and this is happening in London. We talked about this last week. It's right. happening and in the, London. and
1: most of the actions in Dubai, which is a conflict of interest in it, and the argument is, although Dubai is regulating. You shouldn't have to worry because they're regulating this and they're not. Yeah, here I mean, it is, why would they?
0: The so-called but- swaps loophole. Financial investors can game the markets for pure profit by buying up positions in the energy markets without any limitation on the size of the positions they can take. One recent estimate suggested that they now control one-third of the commodities markets or $150 billion, a 1,000% increase in less than five years.
1: It's the money maker.
0: Yeah. You know, if we could...
1: So, but here's the deal that the, that Greenberger made clear because I was bitching about... He was bitching about a couple of New York Times columnists that are also on the wrong side of the argument. But... He says that right now these guys—it's uh, uh, the the various uh, investment houses, uh, Morgan Stanley with uh, the other one. Um, uh, well, and anyone to, anyone who's in commodity swaps, talking. basically. Anyone who's in commodity swaps. He says that right now they've got so many lobbyists because the the Congress is. is Knowledgeable about this, but they're they're you know they're they're still not closing the loophole completely, and it needs to be done. And there's a million lobbyists that are in Congress right now trying to talk people into vo- not vote taking a position anymore. Just you know let it happen, free market. You know fair. You know this and you know this whole free market absolutism, which is like screwing us because it's it's not a free market when it's rigged. And it's the public has to start writing their congressmen and their senators and 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 bitching and say, look, we're watching you. If you vote with these guys, you're voting against, you know, you're just voting for high gas Sucking prices. Us.
0: yeah, screwing us over.
1: And uh, so the whole thing is a scam.
0: So uh, on the lines of something similar to that, um, if you have a chance, John, listen to yesterday's Daily Source Code. I know you don't, you know, you have no time in you're busy life. But... I,
1: I, this, I almost listened to it yesterday.
0: Okay, because I interviewed uh, Vivian Redding. And she is the commissioner of the Information Society and Media for the European Union. She is in what I call Starfleet Command. This is, she's, at, she's at the same level as Nayli Cruz, the woman who has uh, fined Microsoft billions of dollars. Yeah. And so um, I spoke with her, and uh, she did something really interesting. In Europe today, we still have roaming um, pricing when you go from one country to the next. And, of course, we're trying to pull Europe together to be one entity, you know, United States of Europe. So when you go from um, well, the U.K., of course, to anywhere on the continent, but even if you cross the border from Holland into Belgium, and there's not even a sign, as far as I can recall. It's not like, welcome to Belgium, all of a sudden you're there. Or if you keep driving to Germany, you don't have to show your passport, any of this. Um but then you're, then you're on roaming prices the way it used to be in the States until the big networks you know, really got created. But even if you have Vodafone in the UK, and there's a Vodafone in every one of these countries, you're still paying uh, for incoming calls up to you know, like 20 euro cents per minute. Outgoing calls are like 60 or 70 euro cents per minute. Uh, text messaging, 50 cents per... per t- oh, shit. Did I lose you, John? Yeah, it sure sounds like it. I knew that was going to happen. Hold on, we'll get John back. Let's see. Hold on. Can you second. hear me? Yeah, yeah, I got you. Boy, that was... Fucked. Um, Skype, like, completely crashed and started whining and all kinds of stuff.
1: Yeah, I noticed you get you went offline and
0: everything. Yeah, no, it, it, it crashed really hard. Uh, anyway, so we're back. I don't even know what I was saying anymore. <clears throat> all right, well... It- I do. I know exactly
1: what you were saying, and you can go right and cut right into it. Uh, you were saying it's, it was 20 cents to get an incoming call, and it's ah, as right. much as 60 okay. cents to All get right. outgoing roaming.
0: So, anyway, so this is, uh, you know, and then for mobile data, if you want to use the internet from a different country than your home country, 15 euros, right? So that's almost 30 bucks per megabyte. So, you know, this obviously, this shit had to stop. And what? Yeah, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's a fucking outrage. So, this um, Vivian Redding. Um, in, uh, February, she said, all right, you know, you guys can't be trusted. I'm going to slap down regulation on, uh, on voice calls. So she did. And, uh, and, you know, and the calls have actually become uh, reasonably affordable, like, uh, 36 euro cents per outgoing per minute for an outgoing call. Uh, it's still, you know, it's, it's just a start. But anyway, so I start uh, following this woman and all the stuff that she's doing, and you know she's like really, she's really bringing the hammer down. And she's saying to every single one of these uh, operators, she's saying, um, "You better bring down your your text messaging and your data pricing by July first. If you don't, then I'm gonna then I'm gonna kick your ass, and I'm gonna put regulation into place." And so I called her up, and right now they even have this. Uh, Um, so her, her current pricing demand is 28, you know, just as a benchmark is 28 cents. If you send, uh, an SMS text message, uh, while roaming, which is still, of course, an outrageous amount for the resources it takes. Um, uh, and you know, so I'm talking to her and I said, well, you know, um, here in the Netherlands, you know, not a single one of these operators, you know, I was basically blowing the whistle on them. It was really cool. And she, man, she's going to hammer them. It was really, it was a fascinating, it was only like eight minute interview but fascinating uh how much power she has and it was really interesting to hear talk about um about Europe and how this you know how we have to harmonize these markets and you know, you get these operators and they're all like no let the market work it'll be okay and she's like bullshit oh, she almost said bullshit um <laughs> yeah it was it was i was just uh, i was really in, in endeared to how she was uh, how she was speaking um and you know just the 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 power that emanates from her words, I'm like, that's really interesting. You know, there's your government doing something for you. Of course, if it gets turned against you, it's equally as scary, but...
1: Uh, yeah, no, I, that's the one good side, I have to say. I mean, the Neely woman and this woman, obviously, I mean, they they're think they're, they're consumer-oriented and there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm not, you know, I, I'm sick of the deregulation and the, the free market absolutism, which is... You know, which, I mean, we're not, there's a reason for governments. We're not a bunch of anarchists. I mean, if you take everything to a logical extreme, the free market should, we should have no laws that the free market decide. And if you don't like your competition, you can shoot them, and they can shoot back at you. I mean, that's what it really boils down to. It's a, "Oh no, you have to have laws against murder. Well, if you have to have laws against murder, you have to have laws against other things, too, don't you? yeah so um, you know or just have no laws and we can just shoot each other so the whole thing makes no sense from a logical perspective and the fact that we're getting screwed over by these operators that are, have essentially quasi price fixing and manipulative yeah. powers it's ridiculous and there's something that has to be done about it and obviously the public doesn't give a crap because they don't do anything that but you know complain, complain. to each other yeah. maybe yeah
0: yeah yeah so I so I come so I I called her up and I complained. I said these guys aren't complying, and she says, "Well, I did give them until July 1st. She said, "Maybe a miracle can happen." I said, "Yeah, yeah and maybe the Dutch will win the European Cup." Uh, you know, and um anyway, <laughs> she taught me a, a new word because you know I, I was basically you know I I wanted to see if she really understood you know what the actual costs were of you know like mobile data and 140 uh, characters in a text message. So you know I I launched into this thing about. You know, this is, you know, this is a scam, you know, it, does, it costs nothing, you know, once you're connected, the, the the data is so minimal, the only reason they jacked up these prices is because they want you to keep using the phone, the voice, you know, as to how can you as the information society commissioner, you know, stand by and, you know, watch this shit happen. And then she said, yes, it is an anachronism. I was like, holy crap, what's that? <laughs> it was a good word, though, which basically means something not of this age. Yeah, sure, it's the it's a-
1: yeah, it's a classic. The um, well, you know, the funny thing is, I have to—I bring up just kind of an American uh, side to this, which has always kind of fascinated me. You know, I've always thought when the when the mobile phone business began in the U.S. and uh, and we didn't have a lot of competition. And it was, you know, you know, was almost like the key business where, you know, one guy had a whole area to himself and you're kind of stuck with it and that kind of thing. And there's a lot of competition in Europe. There's a bunch of different companies. But when you start looking at the actual prices that you pay uh, per minute, it seemed to me that when I already talked to people in Europe, they were paying always more. Yeah. Especially when they were roaming. I mean, it's like ridiculous amounts of money. And they seem to be on the phone more. I mean, how do they afford it?
0: Yeah, well, you know, so, uh, uh it nationally, the, you know, you can get some pretty good deals, obviously. So when it's all traversing a national network, you know, if you, if the whole family has, uh, T-Mobile or Orange or whatever, you know, obviously they have great deals in that. And they have, you know, bundles, you know, that it's all about the marketing, trying to, to, you know, to give you something that you really need and then uh, charge a little bit extra for something you don't really want, but then maybe you use it. I mean, at this point, I mean, look at America. Uh, uh, in a, this is uh, also on my conversation with some Nokia folks, and I, I think everyone you know, pretty much knows that you know Nokia has uh, uh, a proportionally small corner of the market in the U.S., which maybe I think you know ten percent or whatever. And the reason why is they you know, we're, said we're we're a production company, we make stuff, and then we have to go market it, but we can't market that in the states because the whole phone experience, everything that is marketed to you, is about um, the network, you know, your network is, is, is with you. You've got more bars. Um, you know, uh, more places for reception. None of it's about anything but that. It's never, it's, it's never about the phone. It's always about the network. I mean, this is, it's, uh, these guys are just raking it in left and right. It's, you know, duopoly or whatever, whatever it would fall under. But, you know, it, it's totally unfair pricing.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about it. But except for Apple, when they market their phone by themselves without the help of anybody.
0: Right. Uh, You're right. But the, look, the, look how far uh, that got them. Now now they have to cut deals, uh, subsidy deals with all the carriers. So they're, they're kind of slipping into the same pattern as everyone else.
1: Right. And the, But now that you mention it, I never thought about this. You're right. The only ads you see are for the quality I'm, of the I'm network.
0: I'm sorry. I didn't hear you, Ron. Uh, uh, John, what did you say? That's was an
1: interesting Freudian slip. Yeah, that is, you're uh, right. The uh, only ads that you see in the United States for cell phone, the cell phone business, tends to be. Well, actually, there's two kinds. One is the network. You're right. In, yeah. in fact, ver- that's all you see. Yeah. Network, Who, who's that? that, that? Who's, that? who's that?
0: Who's that there? Oh, that's my network.
1: Though all the, the group of people. You right. Know. The little group of people that follow, which is you know a good bad Can you hear me now? Is it part of that? And then the other one that you do get is the is the phony baloney. You know, sign everybody up. Your for friends, a your favorite plan. Five. And yeah. You get the Call your top five as much as you want. And, you know, we have that plan. It's bullshit. Oh, really? (laughs) Well, I mean, there's still all these weird charges, and you can't figure out what the bill means. I mean, this is why I personally tell people, look, get a disposable phone. The the little phones that they give you for the disposable business, you know, they're actually quite powerful. They're in color now. they got a lot of features. (laughs) They're pretty. You you SMS (laughs) on them. Well, I mean, I'm saying, you're talking about a phone that costs 20 bucks. Yeah, I know. And then and, and you buy these little, you know, you buy some time every once in a while, and if you don't, you know, you, you you last a whole year. I mean, I don't get a monthly bill that's indecipherable. My wife uses the old, you know, the regular system. She gets bills for hundreds of dollars, and I'm, like, putting out, like, 12 bucks every once in a while. I mean, the difference is ridiculous. If yeah. you want to go through the trouble, it's a hassle.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I... I- you and I probably aren't the, uh, the typical phone customer, you know, the, not, the, not the mass market. You certainly aren't.
1: No, I know, because I don't like these things. Actually, the curious thing about this is my daughter, who's 13 now. She's going to be 14 sh- soon. She doesn't like yakking on the cell phone all the time. Maybe that'll change.
0: No, no. Christina uses it for for text messaging. That's that's really what it's for. It's text Actually, messaging. Actually, my son,
1: yeah, my son, who's uh, twenty something, he's young. He's still just finishing college. He's in it with a group of people, and all they do is text message. Yeah. They're just constantly typing to each other. I never see him talk on the phone except once in a while he talks to his girlfriend, you know, and has a short conversation. But yeah. generally speaking, yeah. but they're not only text messaging, but they're text messaging constantly. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's an ongoing conversation. I know. I, my daughter is almost 18, has the same behavior. And what's really cute is my, my wife and daughter together, you know, you know how moms are and they want to know where, you know, there's a connection. We always want to know where they are and uh, moms and daughters, it's something special. Um, and, uh, she's always texting you back know, and forth with Christina.
1: Here's why I got to tell you something that's funny. So we should probably do this reconnect here on Skype. Uh, or maybe I should try calling you. You had just a minute ago. <clears throat> you just, I couldn't hear you at all, That I've never heard this on Skype ever. And I'd like to get an explanation for it. I didn't hear you at all. And then you came on, I didn't miss anything, you came on at high speeds, like a fast forward, talking really
0: fast. Oh, John, this is, I've been listening to you that way for the past hour almost. That we've had the shittiest connection. I didn't want to say anything. But yeah, what it does is it tries to do a catch-up. And so it, uh, it's actually pretty smart. So you don't really lose any of the conversation because of the degradation of the connection. It just speeds yeah. up to catch up in real time. No, it, it's, yeah, re- it's smart it's shit. Buffering. Yeah, it's really smart shit but i'm I'm listening and saying, "Wow,' cause <laughs> that's the way the whole show should be. It should be in triple speed. there you go. Well you know you could
1: you could uh run it through a process to do that.
0: Yeah, did you see that i um I encoded at like sixty four kilobits to make a much smaller file size on last week's show
1: it It sounded the same
0: yeah well because it's uh, it's just my voice and, and the crappy Skype, so you don't need much more yeah. So what
1: was the size? What's the file size? Yeah, because the show was so long. Yeah. Well, what I know that, fi- I know
0: people want to put it on um, on thumb drives, and they want to burn it onto uh, as an MP3 onto a CD, or you know they want to you know the, the length of course determines that you still need two uh, two CDs. Uh, but I have gotten complaints in the past. People say you know it's just unnecessary. They're like, yeah, that's a good point.
1: Yeah, no, it is. Un- that's a good. That is a good point. I I usually I'm one of the types who burn things on CDs. Yeah, I like that uh, too.
0: Honestly, for in the car. Well,
1: it's because I can throw it in the car. Yeah. You know, I don't have a hookup. I mean, it'd be cool if I had, you know, a USB car. I mean, mean, the new BMWs they have USB connectors to the stereo. Oh, no, it's system. not even
0: BMWs. My daughter's uh, Renault Twingo has uh, uh, an MP, so it has a regular three and a half millimeter audio jack. It has an iPod connector and it has a um, a thumb drive connector, so you can just connect. Uh, a thumb Stick in, a thumb drive in. Yeah, a, th- a thumb drive, and it'll play it right through the system. And this is, you know, this is a little, th- little cheap car. I, you
1: know, I think probably most of the cars should be having that if yeah. they don't already. I haven't kept up; I don't have a new car
0: yeah. currently. That's kind of my yeah. point, is I think it's uh, it's become uh, you know it's the it's the of uh, of the year two thousand eight. You know. Yeah, well, it can't be t- too expensive to
1: implement, but I, but until I get that. Uh, you I can just, yeah, thumb drive's the way to go. If I could put this thing as you get, you get the file on a thumb drive, I got it. The thumb drive I carry around is 32 gigabytes. Yeah. Wow. So there's lots of room. And, uh, so I would, or I just take any old thumb drive. What difference does it make? But anyway, I stick it, I I'd, I'd put it on as a, just as the download file, an MP3 on a thumb drive, and I stick it on the car and listen to it. I, I think, you know, this is an untapped, you know, people still, you know, have mixed feelings about, audio podcasting but I still think that this is really what because this is what I prefer listening to in my car yeah uh I'd rather listen to lectures about stuff that I'm I want to hear about I'd rather hear one of these shows that doesn't have a lot of commercials and it's you know personalities that are more contemporary than the typical radio personalities no offense to you guys and you know it's not like you know I'm a kid but I'd rather have that stuff. And I wonder if, you know, how many people are out there, obviously thousands that are already moved over completely and they just stop listening to the radio. You know, I was talking to Leo on one of the shows recently and he, who's a radio guy and he just thinks radio's been dead for
0: years. Yeah, it is. I, it, so first of all, I totally agree. Second of all, this reminds me, I think there's a company called Poddango. I think that's what they're called. And I always like what they had set up. Uh, and they have, they have some marginal success. I'm not quite sure exactly what they're doing. I haven't tracked them, but I think they got some, uh, funding and the, the idea was just good. Um, they distribute, um, thumb drives that includes, um, player software. So you stick it into any computer, you know, it, it kind of auto recognizes up pops a player and there's kind of like your, your on the go radio experience and you can plug it into almost any, uh, computing type device or any device that'll understand, you know, how to play the files. Um, and, and I, I, you know, I pretty much exclusively listen to, uh, to audio shows, you know, from, uh, you know, I've set up a, a couple of channels. So my, uh, my iPod always has the, the latest, you know, the latest episodes of, of stuff that I want to listen to. I will say though, um, that I find that I probably have about 40% what we'd call mainstream in there. So stuff like, um, the New York Times front page or, um, uh, i do listen to um on the media is another npr show i like um but you know the rest is all is all pretty much uh, independent in the uk though the radio still there's i mean like radio 4 it's still pretty damn good i mean there's some really interesting shit they're doing on on, uh, on radio i mean they still have a a radio culture here which is uh, pretty deeply embedded and it's not you know it's just they got you know, it's just not all top 40 or, or whatever genre music, you know, with monkeys reading liner cards and stuff like that. It's, uh, it's yeah, good, good radio. You don't, ha-
1: you don't have the commercial interruptions, which really yeah. changes the flow. So, I mean, I'm, yeah. people who listen to me on any of these things know that I'm like a fan. I do listen. I do listen to the radio, but I tend to be a fan of of the worst kind of radio although it may be the best kind of radio which is sports talk radio which is you know brain dead a lot of people don't get but it's like you know it's i listen to it and i also listen to uh political right wing chatter which i find to be highly entertaining and, and kind of interesting uh... i probably don't listen to anything else i do listen to some college stations once in a while when i Mm-hmm. close to them, they're very low power typically because they don't have any commercials and i will listen to npr once in a while but npr is i think is very slow moving and it's ponderous and they and it's got the voice it's always you know the guys talking like them. they have this certain kind of a sound to it and there's a kind of a a a fake gravitas toss that's slightly annoying when you listen to it and um But I do, I will listen to, I'll get on a public radio station and I'll stay on it for a while. But generally speaking, they still aren't as good as some of these podcasts and most of those guys are doing podcasts too.
0: So let me ask you a question. Um, Do you have a system set up? Do you use uh, iTunes or do you just uh, grab something at random? Do you find yourself repeating uh, downloading things, I mean, you know, I, mean I, I basically have a, a, a channel set up on Mevio, and that's always synced to my iPod, and so I always have the right. latest things. I can tell you what I'm listening to, but do you have a set number of things no, you listen no, to? No, I
1: don't. I, I'm more of, a, of the, of the uh, hunter-gatherer type. Uh, instead of automating it like I, I but that would limit my kind of... I th- exposure to weird stuff, I tend, I'm like one of the worst guys, I'm like the kind of guys who visit my blog, which are, you know, they show up once in a while, but they're not coming every day, and um, essentially what I'll do is I'll, fi- I'll find a cache mm-hmm. of interesting podcasts, right now I'm plowing through the stuff that's been done over the last number of years at ad tech conferences. Oh, right, uh, yeah, yeah, I heard talking advertise- about that, yeah. Right. They have a slew of podcasts and they're all hour long because they're essentially presentations with, you know, you miss out because you can't see the PowerPoint, but usually you don't need PowerPoint. That's just there to, you know, have something for people to look at. But I've been downloading those things and listening to those like constantly, and I mean hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of this kind of thing. because I'm kind of like a marketing hobbyist, and so I'm listening to all these what you know what the trends are and all this other stuff. And I'll go through probably most of them, and it'll be taking a month or two. And then I'll go for scrounging around and I'll find some other website with some interesting podcasts. I'll I'll sample a couple. And if they interest me, I'll burn them on the seat. And so I'm not, you know, a normal uh, listener. And if I'm just going to listen to something casual, I'll listen to some, probably some crap on the radio. Mm.
0: You want to hear my list? Because it's always the same. Go. Well, I mean, it changes, obviously. And, and by the way, you can subscribe to this so you can get the same shows in the same order. So first of all, it was something that I don't have uh, publicly available is there's a uh, a buddy, a guy I met uh, online, a buddy who uh, puts up a, the Howard Stern show all four or five hours every day. Hey. Um, so he records it off a of Sirius, and then he puts up a little feed, a little private feed. And so I get that. And, and, and you know, sometimes I'll I'll listen to two hours of Howard Stern, but most of it just stays there, unlistened to. But I, I do like to see who his guests are. But anyway, so I have um, New York Times front page. I have a test thing called the Robot Weather, which is a robot voice uh weather transcoder for the Guildford region then i have tech five uh, meet the press video um news pod which is the this actually that's a great you should listen to that one john the bbc news pod which is um it's highlights from all the BBC best news? okay yeah it's the highlights from all the best bbc radio programs and, and of course talk shows um from the previous day and it's about it's 30 minutes each time it's like a great catch-up
1: that's perfect I, yeah
0: i think you'd like that I um, get that Buzz Out Loud, which I haven't been listening to a lot recently. Yeah, it was for a while I listened to it every day. Then Pacific Coast Hellway, um, on the media, uh, in business, which is another BBC show. It's Peter Day, another great one. Um, then I have, uh, that I, I have heard that one. That is good. Yeah, that's good. Uh, The Gilmore Gang, which I, I kind of stopped listening to. Uh, yeah, I was listening regularly for a while. That went away. I've got Lost Tapes, then I've got uh, Newsweek On Air, then I have Twit, uh, BBC Breakfast Takeaway, another one you might be interested in. It's the uh, the morning news segment from BBC Breakfast Show, it's video. Um, then I have Dope Fiend, the Cannabis Podcast Network. I have uh, CNN Marketplace Update, music, uh, New York Times Music Popcast, then I have the Jazz Suite, I Love the Company, Irwin's podcast, NPR Fresh Air, Doctor Cockney, the President's weekly address. I love listening to that. That's always funny. Um, hey, Mister <laughs> Jesse. It was a great music show. Advice with Dawn. That's Dawn Micelli. from the hills of Florence, is my uh, sister in Italy. Uh, you know, and then it kind, of, and then there's the stuff at the end. You know, I may not even listen to on a regular basis. There's a couple more. It goes on a bit, but that that's kind of my regular list. And it's as you can tell, a lot of it's uh, shorter form. Most of it. Yeah, well, I mean, you don't listen to that every day, then It rotates out, right? Yeah, whenever there's a new episode, it comes in, and if I miss it, then I just miss it. And, you know, I don't even catch up on those things. Uh, most of well,
1: them. What, what at what point do you? And I always worry about this because I do all oh, a lot of these podcasts myself. I do, you know, this one here in particular is the, is the is the most experimental because it's so damn long. Yeah,
0: we're an hour and a half almost, John. Oh, actually, that's no, shorter than that because there's a piece I got to cut out when the, we lost the connection. But yeah, it's long.
1: It's a long show and it goes on and on and on and on and on and, on and nobody complains about the length generally and <laughs> no. that makes it worse because then we don't feel obliged to keep it. I know, it I'm to like some,
0: I'm not done yet. It's almost an hour and a half. Let's break the two hour limit. We can do it, Johnny.
1: Let's don't. No, you're right. But anyway, so um we will anyway, you know that. So so what is it that gets people to the point like you said you don't listen to Gilmore Gang anymore and uh you know, and Buzz Out Loud was a... I remember when you first discovered that, you were, like, jacked up about it, and you listened to it constantly. Yeah. And and I wonder, because I, you know, this is not my listening habits are, are different, because I listen to mostly lectures. And, um, but what is it that happens, and I wonder about this for just anybody, because you have to assume that some people have been listening to uh, No Agenda, maybe for the first 20 episodes, and then at some point, they just stopped. Yeah what well, happens what what is it about is you get sick of the two jerk-offs or or are you just uh i mean what is it that. Oh, you, I is can't it, answer do, that. they're repeating themselves or yeah. what is the sociology here
0: well there's a couple things at play and i'm speaking partly from um, my experience in my you know in radio um it has to do with the regularity of it so he, here's the trends i detect so there there is a when people get hooked it's like mainline and you know the if they can't listen to something during one day because what gets in the way of course is life you know not everyone's life is exactly the same your commute is not exactly the same your mood is not exactly the same you know which is why we have choice and why you can listen to different things but um with uh, if you're jacked into a show which is you know a longer format like this one or or daily source code or twit is another perfect example. Um, when you're, when you're jacked into that, you're mainlining, you know, it's like you, you, you can't miss out on the conversation because something happened in a previous episode and you have to catch up. Um, so the shorter form stuff is much easier to dip in and out of. Uh, but that long form stuff, yeah, at a certain point, I think you just get tired of it. And and by the way, you know, it's okay. You know, come back uh, in a couple months. I, when I uh, lived in New Jersey and drove to New York every single morning, five days a week, um, Every morning, I'd listen to Howard Stern, religiously, even the replays when he was on vacation, and what what would happen every single time after, you know, X amount of weeks or sometimes days, you're like, I don't feel like it anymore. It just changed. But you come back, you know, you go in and out. It's just life, John. That just gets in the way. Now, what I've taken away from it is my daily source code is no longer daily, and I found that, unfortunately, the name doesn't fit anymore, but... um, people kind of anticipate you know so now i do maybe two or three shows a week this last week was horrible only did one um but i know that it'll be good because you know i've got all the energy together and that's kind of the the other side of the equation you know when we do this one show a week I, i look forward to it it builds up i'm excited about you know about uh doing it on a saturday um but my life also changes in this dynamic so i you know i can just roll out a show i can do a sh- i can set a- i can schedule time every morning at nine to record but it's going to suck because i won't be in my element you know so I-, I think this the fluidity of it is is really important not that i've cracked anything on that yet but uh yes it's from both ends
1: well both- let's just
0: let's, let's, distill that
1: there, yes. there's a couple of issues here that you, you've kind of touched on uh, one of them, by the way, the, for people out there, we have to do the next couple shows on Sundays because I'm going up to Washington for the 4th of July. I'll be back on Sunday and, or Saturday night, actually, and uh, the week after that is my daughter's birthday, so Sunday's going to... So because people complain to me on email that, oh, you know, where's the show, where's the show, where's uh, the show? And you know, we occasionally uh, do the show on Sunday and sometimes on Thursday. I'm but they're always stunned when we're not doing it you know when you don't post it where's the show yeah, yeah it's late <laughs> yeah it's like come on I mean give us a break but you know I, I think that's cool actually that people are that into it that they yeah. would complain about the you know not being there when they needed their you know fix but the thing that let's go back and look at the, the your commentary about well you know you got sick of that and then you came back here and people can come and go you know they can listen to the show for months on end and then they can stop listening because they hate it and then they'll come back the fact in in and the classic sense of marketing, uh, and this holds true for blogs, and too, is that once you lose a customer, the rule has always been it's harder to get a, a lost customer back than oh. it is to get a new customer. And do you really think that when people stop listening to no agenda that they ever
0: come back? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, 100% certain of it. Yeah. Oh, they well, it's definitely a come back. Of
1: some old rule. Well, fuck the old rule. Uh, i'm just saying it's a violation there's no reason and there's something else at work here that they would do that in other words they never really quit the show now no, i think that you, you've probably quit the gilmore gang
0: no 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 no. i disagree i have temporarily i've just you know also this is a, it's a very long show and it's uh like almost every day so i just don't have the time uh but you know Uh, twit, even though sometimes, you know, like, uh, you know, this wasn't really a show for me. It's not going to make me quit because I know next week it could be extremely exciting, could be right on the money, you know, could be, you know, there's a lot of excitement depending on who the guests are, you know, and I'm, I'm totally mainlined on that, on that show, no doubt about it. Um, but if it's, um, you know, if, if you have a couple in a row that don't work for me, you know, I, I may quit. Well, let's,
1: let's stop, let's stop there and bring this issue in. Uh, years and years and years ago when I was at the University of California uh, Can I just say one to... thing
0: John? I'm sorry just, I just want to, want to add, add one dimension to it. Don't forget that quitting listening to the show is not the same as unsubscribing particularly with these audio shows, they still may be coming through on someone's iPod or in iTunes. They may yeah. iTunes might even temporarily disable it, saying, hey, you haven't listened to this in a long time, so I'm not going to update it. But that doesn't mean that you're not just one click away from jacking back into the show, which is a little different from the type of marketing speak scenarios yeah. that you outline.
1: No, you're right, because apparently it's always there, so <laughs> you can be tempted, but... I want to bring up an interesting point, which is a uh, lecture I heard at the Wheeler Auditorium some years ago uh, by Phil Spector huh. uh, when he, he was, he, was uh, he wasn't the crazy Phil Spector he later became, but he was still a little weird but he came in to do, they used to have these f- famous people that would come into the University of California and, uh, you know, after hours and give these lectures in the big auditorium wheeler would hold a thousand people and they'd pack them in and i went to a lot of these things and i get to hear a lot of people and afterwards you can hang out with them you know if you wanted to and um specter came in to do his hour which lasted three and a half hours yeah and it was three and a half hours of riveting anecdotes and observations and he talked about the singles business back in the day when they were forty-fives and they had to have to had a hit single. And, and he says he says the key to success for the hit single business was that you could never you could as long as you had never had two singles that were dogs in a row. Yeah. So you were done. You were, you were out of business. You had to have a hit single, and then you had to have a hit single—the ones that they would play on the jukeboxes. Then you had to have a hit single, and then you could have a dog. They, you could be excused one dog in a row. Then you'd have, a, have to have a hit. The next one had to be a big hit. And I've always felt that this model was I, is actually what I use when I write columns, because not every column a gem. But if I ever write a crappy column in one of my publications and I know it's crap, I will go out of my way to write a a gem. The next yeah. time, because I, I'm aware of this two dogs, and now you're when you do the two dogs, you've lost customers if you are not lost your job, as it would be in the record industry. And so I wonder when you have these shows, like, you know, and you talk about Twit and our show and other shows that people listen to, and it's more risky with a longer format, obviously, uh, if you can really get away with having two crappy shows in a row, like the, you know, what is it? Does it really set you back? And unfortunately, there's not a lot of good metrics on this stuff.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, that is a very interesting point, and I would say that that it sounds, it feels right that two shows in a row that are crappy, you know, that 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 would warrant a uh, a temporary suspension. Um, but that is, of course, what's completely interesting about this medium is you know you don't have to do a show. You know, there's not not, not like the airtime is scheduled and waiting for you, and it has to be filled up and that of course is the downside of uh, a regular program and i'm sure and you you can probably say more about this than i can because you actually do a show 5 days a week and you have a fixed format and sometimes i'm pretty sure it must sound it must feel like a chore like oh crap i got to do that and you fit it in either before you go to bed or you know whatever your schedule is um whereas um with daily source code i know i'm going to do a couple a week and and i kind of live towards it and sometimes i have a shitty show or at least that i feel is a shitty show and you're absolutely right you know i i never go back and review a shitty show i'm just like hey there'll be another one next time and i'll do twice as good um but to have two dogs in a row i think you're right and and that is the danger with with regularly scheduled programming where even you know being late on posting something can piss off your audience
1: Right, they get are fickle. This group, yep, uh, and that's the kind of the reason I went to team blogging too, because I knew that the problem with blogs, uh, although I did, you know, I can't. It wasn't I wasn't the original team blogger by name means. Boing Boing, which is one of the most successful blogs in the world, it is a team blog. And more of a publication now. And, uh, but, you know, I went to that because the keys to blogging, and I tell people this all the time, is that you have to post a lot or people just won't come back. Yep. And it has to do with the, with the, maybe the two dogs theory, which is you go to the blog, you say you have a blog you like and you follow it. And the next thing you know, and you, you know, this when you go surfing, you go back to the blog and you look at it and it hasn't been updated yep. for months. Yeah. You never go back. I mean, basically, you've got you may go back one more day. That's it. You've got your two dogs. You went there. It hasn't been updated. You go back. It hasn't been updated. You never go back. Uh, and I think that's the reason that most blogs have lousy uh, attendance. I mean, they just they can't Keep up, and the guys who I'm always amazed by guys like uh, uh, the Jaywalk blog, Welcome Bush's blog, which I'd love to get just have him. I just talk them into saying, "Look, why don't you just why don't we just do the come over and we'll do the something else, you know, do a team blog." Right. This guy, for a while, I was competing. I thought I was competing with him because I was doing the blog by myself, and I look at his, and he was much better blogger than I am. I mean, he really gives really good stuff. He's got a lot of uh, interest. He's got a good insight on things. But then I look at his blog, and he's like blog blogging himself five six seven eight times a day holy crap you can't keep up that kind of pace and when i first started blogging by the way i wasn't even putting up that much i was putting up like five posts maybe which was which is not enough to make people come back by the way and i would get letters from people saying dvorak you just started blogging you're gonna burn yourself out you're gonna be like everybody else you're trying too hard you're blogging too much I'm thinking, wait, there's a conflict of my thinking here. One, you have to blog a lot to keep people coming back, but I'm blogging too much, and I'm not blogging enough. (laughs) So that's when I said, forget it. I'm bringing in some guys who, you know, that want to get the – because I have the numbers. And so the people that get that blog with me, the editors – they uh, are getting a lot of attention, which they wouldn't be able to do on their own single blogs.
0: Well, it's the quick hit mentality, you know it's uh th- and by the way, I don't actually go to blogs anymore. I use Google Reader, and so you know it, it just pops up right? Oh, there's something new, so I'm not wasting any time going around to blogs. I'm you know basically looking at headlines and finding stuff that interests me, uh, which is severely underrated by the way, the title of your post. Because that's how a lot of people, with email, the same thing. Subject line, most important, marketing. If you want me to open up an email, that subject line better say something interesting.
1: No, actually, one of the things we emphasize at the Dvorak Uncensored blog, uh, which is Dvorak.org slash blog for anyone who hasn't been there, uh, is headline writing. In fact, we go memos. You know, I used to do a monthly memo on headline writing because it's important and I'll go in there myself and be. focused. As far as I'm concerned, people if they if they're doing blog posts and they want to learn, a new headline writing, they should get a subscription. To the New York Daily Post, uh, the Post, you know, newspaper in New York City, it's got good headlines. And um, and also the you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of those tabloids that are at the news at the checkout counter, uh, the Star, the Inquirer, and places like that. Those headlines are outstanding.
0: Here's you know, this is a. A little uh, game, Ron and I were playing yesterday because this is a conversation that we're having internally inside the company as well. Do you have a magazine just laying around? Just any random magazine, John? Yeah, yeah. Just pick it up and yeah. just and just read. It's it, it's funny when you do it. And I'll, I just picked up a random magazine here. Okay, so I'll go first. I'm just going to read what's on the cover, which is basically marketing me to you know to buy this magazine at three pounds seventy. Um... Mm-hmm. Michael Stutz, Dream Destination, WT-9, Dynamic, Mighty Microlight, Aircam, Lightweight Twin, Splash, Show Report, Hovering Out of Wind, Binder EB-28, The Ultimate Sailplane. You know, that's good shit, man.
1: Well, there's a couple of things that you should always note. Uh... American uh, magazines tend to be subscription oriented and they don't have the great headlines of the European magazines, especially the ones in Great Britain, which tend to be newsstand oriented in terms of getting their circulation to a certain point. True. And what I always tell people who are in the magazine business, if they happen to be traveling uh, in Europe, especially in England, uh, where they can understand what the headlines are saying. Uh you should go to the newsstands in England and look at the racks yep. and take a look at these covers because you see dynamic grabbing covers everywhere. Yep. And the only time that shows up in the States happens to be with uh Tabloes. Felix Dennis's magazines. Maxim yep. is one of the great magazine covers that you'll ever see. Yep. But because it's, it's British. Yeah. But yeah. But the bloggers have to learn this because you're right. If you're getting that little laundry list from Google Alert or whatever it is you're talking about, not Alert, but Google Reader. Reader. Yeah. It's a list of headlines, and
0: most of them are so dull, you know, you don't want to click on any of them. Nope. That's another thing, man. Album art. Anyway, we could go on forever about all that. Are we done? Do we have anything else? God, no.
1: Me I see. mean God yes we're done.
0: I yeah, think hold on. Let me just see if I had anything else. I know I I did have
1: something. one I was gonna talk about the Mexicans invading uh the United States, a Mexican army killing some people in Phoenix and Oh really? They're uh Yeah, it's just really some weird shit going on. Nobody's talking about much. Well
0: to give me some more info, man. What's happening?
1: Well, it's on the blog actually. I have to bring up the story. Well, there was a there was a murder in Phoenix. From the and, the and the perpetrator seemed to be in the Mexican army, working on the behest of the drug overlords, which seemed to have taken over most of the border uh... most of the border uh, towns in the United States, huh. uh, and they've definitely taken over all the border towns in Mexico to bring drugs into the country. And besides the murder in Phoenix, which nobody really covered much, uh. There's another story that developed where one of our U.S. congressmen had a relative that was kidnapped uh, from her store in Juarez and held for ransom, which is, by the way, a serious problem in Mexico. Which is, And this has been going on for a long time. I mean, a this ha- this happens
0: there. all over the world, man, kidnapping. But you actually pay the money and you get the person back. I mean, it's a business. Yeah, you pay
1: the money. It's extortion, kidnapping, extortion. To the point, I mean, in Mexico, for example, I was told a long time ago because you don't like you go to Mexico City, some of the best parts, of the time, and you, and you you don't see many really cool cars. And and somebody mentioned to me, well, you know, the thing is, that if you really got a lot of money in Mexico, you buy a clunker.
0: Yeah, you don't want you anyone probably, to
1: know. Yeah, and people will think you're just some bum. You know, and you got like you know missing hubcaps and the things like crabbed, and it needs paint. You know, you 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 got it made. So, you don't see a lot of Mercedes and you don't see anything cool. And and in Brazil, where they actually do like to have nicer cars, it was the last time I was there, which was like a year or a year and a half ago. I'm go we go past we're driving around looking at stuff and i'm we go past a uh a car dealership that's just apparently very popular it's a huge car dealership and but it had this weird portuguese name for these cars i can't remember what it was but i, I never saw this word before so oh that's a car dealership that's bought this bulletproof cars uh for the rich people so you'd buy a mercedes in in sao paulo that would be like ruggedized i mean essentially you know at the door you push a button and everything locks up and they they can't shoot through the glass armor
0: plated yeah the, whole <laughs> the thing.
1: car weighs a, a ton right yeah and i'm thinking well that's how they handle it but you know that hasn't gotten into the u.s yet but it, i'm always worried that it will because you know now we had a congressman by the freedom of somebody and we're supposed to be the country that doesn't deal with with terrorists that way, but meanwhile, we're, you know, and the U.S. government was like involved in this
0: negotiation. I, I'm just like, it's not a good sign. Uh, all right. I got last one, last one. Uh, my uncle Don was in Korea this week. And it, did you, and the result of his work is in the paper. And what is it? Oh, you didn't hear about this? That, um, yeah, they uh, uh they they released uh, the information about their nuclear program and everything they've done since like the 60s and uh President Bush said, "Oh, well, now I'm going to take you off the axis of evil."
1: And your uncle Don had something to do with this? Oh, hell yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he's major he's a major negotiator for the US and uh and both South and North Korea. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. He's, the, he's the president of the Korea Society, which is, I'm sure, some kind of front for something. But, no, the, you know, the guy was You'd ambassador. Think. Yeah, he was ambassador in South Korea, so he knows a hell of a lot. And, in fact, uh, he even wrote a New York Times um, op-ed on, I think, the 17th, where he said, hey, you know, and it's so funny because I didn't quite understand what it was about. He said... You know, don't mess with the Koreans with their beef, you know, don't mess with their beef because they get really emotional about it because this is what their parents and grandparents have always made their living on. And it's kind of like a holy topic. And, you know, Condoleezza Rice, sure shooting, like I read in the paper this morning, she's uh, saying to the people of Korea, well, you know, please consider uh, trying our beef.
1: (laughs) Well, you yeah. know, when I went there, which was just a few weeks ago, I'm reading the newspapers over there and, and watching the TV, and there's all these riots taking place about American beef and how yes. everybody thinks they're being poisoned and all yeah. that. It wasn't there was not one peep of this information in the U.S. media.
0: Well, except for uh, my uncle Don's op-ed, he said, "When uh, do you remember in a uh, must have been in the 80s, I think, when uh, people attacked the U.S. embassy in South Korea." Yeah. Okay, so my uncle Don was the ambassador at the time. And and he wrote, he wrote about that. I'll send you the link to his op-ed piece. He wrote about it. He said, you know, when uh, when people got so pissed off, so angry, they broke into the embassy caused $35,000 worth of damage. It was about the freaking beef, he said. You got to leave them alone. They do not want a foreign beef. They want the... you know, it's it's a whole cultural thing. And he, this is what the guy understands, you know. And that's Well, they,
1: that's interesting because I didn't think I, that's interesting because I know their beef. They're the like major. I mean, the beef is there is a is a staple part of their diet, and uh, it's a part of one of their their great all their great dishes of Korea are beef dishes. I mean, I'm sure some vegetarian right? write. You know, that's not true. They do vegetables too.
0: Oh, what do you but care? But for, mo- for
1: the most part, it's a beef thing. And you, when you go to a great Korean restaurant, you know you're eating beef. You know, it's usually thin slice, gorgeous. I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, the, the food in Korea is really nice. It's in the Korea. The Korean copies that we have over here are always kind of lame.
0: Well, so I think that uh, that well, I mean, I I wouldn't have known any of this. Uh, I'm just I'm looking for this letter now. Hold on, here's here it is. Let me just. It's a short one. Um. Yeah, can I just read this? Do you mind? Yeah, go. Okay. To the editor, uh, regarding South Koreans assail U.S. pact-shaking leader, front page June 11, about the large demonstrations in Seoul. In October 1989, six Korean college students broke into the American ambassador's residence in Seoul and did $35,000 worth of damage before being arrested by the Korean police. I was the ambassador, and the issue was beef. Modern Korean society still has deep roots in its agricultural traditions, and Koreans can get very defensive about any issue that seems to threaten the livelihood of grandpa and grandma back on the farm, even if this causes them to pay twice as much for inefficiently produced Korean beef as they would for foreign imports. This is a delicate issue that needs to be handled with sensitivity by leaders in Seoul and Washington, so the question of beef does not derail the important free trade agreement with South Korea being considered by Congress. The issue also needs to be placed in a broader context. South Korea is a tremendously ally of the United States. It sent more than 300,000 troops to help us in Vietnam, was a quick and generous supporter of Desert Storm in 1991, and for several years had the third largest deployment of troops in Iraq following our invasion of that country five years ago. Notice the word, following our invasion of that country five years ago. Without our strong alliance with South (laughs) Korea, our influence in Asia would be vastly diminished. Let us keep the fact clearly in mind as we deal with the fractious beef issue. Hmm. Interesting. I love it how he sneaks well, that, that in that. A that, lot. that invasion thing. Yeah, and, and he's like Mr. Republican, yeah, you know, but he hates he he hates George W. He hates this whole thing. He's so angry.
1: Yeah, a lot of Republicans do. But but that explains a lot. That's interesting. Because when they were when they were having the beef riots when I was over there, they were making the, they were rationalizing it as our beef was tainted with mad cow.
0: Well, it probably is. Yeah, I mean, dude, are our, our tomatoes have salmonella? Have you been following this bullshit? What's you know, going on with tomatoes, that shit? Those tomatoes are coming from Mexico. What's going on with uh, that? How how can tomatoes have salmonella? Is that something exclusive for the Chican?
1: Here's the way the way it was worked. This is the way it was explained to me. That it doesn't get a lot of coverage, and, I, and I'm sure there's more details. Like somebody knows more than this, but I'm gonna give you the basics. There's a lot. Of, we began to use uh, recovered wastewater from sewage treatment plants. It's been part of our agriculture. And figuring that it was a fine, you know, to use for, you know, for everything. In fact, we would, I think one of the processes is washing tomatoes at the end of a processing plant. With it's not poop, the kind of tomatoes you get from a farmer's so, market.
0: So, wait, anyway, wait, wait. Basically, shit water.
1: Yeah, but it's but it's been processed, so it's actually, you could probably drink it and it wouldn't be a big deal. Uh-huh. But, you know, but it, we don't drink it because we don't like the concept. <laughs> no. But it's, it's fine. It's fine for agricultural purposes. Now, it's believed that the exact same kind of factories that manufactures mass-produced tomatoes that are never really fully ripe are the crap you buy in the crummy stores. It's not the stuff you get at a farmer's market or in a good vegetable store generally. The Mexicans decided they're going to do the same kind of processing, but they, and they used the recovered wastewater, but unfortunately, they never treated it. Ugh. So it's just loaded with God knows what. And the problem is these tomatoes are already de-stemmed. And the stem hole where the stem was, that part of that tomato usually cut off, is still will absorb water through it into the tomato. When it, during this process of washing. And so you'd have these tomatoes rolling off the line being sprayed to wash them off a little bit and the water would get on top of that little area and then go soak right into the tomato, get sucked in because the tomato uh, still look at this.
0: It's fucking Mexican poop water in my tomato.
1: I mean, that's what they think is what happened. But nobody wants to say that. But and here's the, one of the reasons. The, one of the reasons is because there's been a, bu- and this is the problem that you can blame on Monsanto among other companies. Uh-huh. They don't want to make it so we label the country of origin when it comes to, like, a tomato. They don't, you know, because it, would be, it wouldn't cost much, by the way, because these machines that label nowadays, these little stickers that you put on fruits and vegetables, it's just a, you know, it's nothing. But there's a there was a movement, a consumer movement to, like, where's this tomato from movement? And I want a sticker. <laughs> if it's a foreign tomato coming in from Ecuador, I want to see an Ecuador sticker on there. If it's from Florida, you know, I'd like to know. Yeah, and no, no, we can't do that because it's too much. You know, it would hurt relations and all this other crap. So meanwhile, we don't know where these tomatoes are from, and they can't really say it's the Mexican tomatoes causing this problem. And they're trying to point the finger at Florida, which I find hard to believe. You know, well, it could be Florida if you read the news. Yeah, it's bull. It's just you know, I can tell you what it is: it's a bunch of
0: crappy Mexican poop water tomatoes. (laughs) That's one way of putting it. So Salmonella is a result of poop water.
1: Uh, you know, that doesn't make a lot of sense because salmonella is not necessarily in poop water, but <laughs> apparently whatever this... I mean, uh, wait a
0: minute, John. Please tell me that in 1972 you were actually an expert on poop water. Please, give me one of those. You an environmental poop water specialist.
1: I was an air pollution specialist. There you but- go. So, but I don't have the. But you know, when I was working at the funny, I did coliform <laughs> testing, which is kind of poop water yeah, oriented. Yeah, yeah. I knew when it. I was at the Union Oil, we had to test for of coliform. Uh, uh, one of the things, the effluent that goes out into the San Francisco Bay from their oil refinery, if you're one of the chemists at the place, you have to test the water for coliform, which is a it was indicator for poop, <laughs> <laughs> and because you don't want to put too much. Poop into the bay, <laughs> and uh so you do all these tests, you know. So I'm kind of an expert, but I'm not that much of an expert. I think I, don't th- know how I think you can put like it on, I'm gonna right? have biz- I'm going to
0: have business cards made up. Mevio, John C. Dvorak, poop expert.
1: <laughs> yeah, anyone
0: anyway, yeah. can be a poop
1: expert. All right, uh, but anyway, that. So, that, so that's outrageous.
0: And, 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 you know, they put made in China on every single iPod. They might as well put, you know, made in Mexico on, on every tomato. I mean, I agree. It's just, that's horseshit. We that's deserve a, to know. We deserve to know where the food is coming from.
1: That's an abstract. I never even thought in those terms. You're absolutely correct. If you have to put "made in China," which you do on all this junk that the Chinese ship us, and you know and good quality too, by the way, like the iPod I've got some quality products made in China. But if you have to put the label on there for, for yeah. stuff that you're not even eating,
0: Yeah, you're putting shit in your face, uh, Mexican poop water-infested tomatoes that we should at least know.
1: Yeah, I don't get why why you have. There should be a label on the. Yeah, we're eating this stuff. We're not eating iPods. I don't care.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you mentioned Monsanto, and if you know anything about, have you? Has anyone ever emailed you about the Codex Alimentarius? No. You've never heard of the Codex Alimentarius?
1: I have, but I don't. I don't know if I've ever looked at it.
0: Okay, so uh, this is not for this show, but let's both do some research on it. Speaking of no agenda. Now the Codex is something that the World Trade Organization put into place in I think I'm going to say the 50s. Uh, so um, it's basically a trade agreement about what is in food uh, that is imported and exported amongst uh, countries that are a member of the WTO. Now this has this has now become pretty much law. Um, in fact, in Europe, the uh, so all the recommendations, which are you know what can and cannot be in in certain types of foods and what can or cannot be sold literally, has resulted now. And in Europe, this is already starting. Where I'm, I'm sure you've heard about this that you you can't get certain vitamins over the counter anymore. Homeopathic medicines are being phased out. And Monsanto is one of these big companies that's that's behind this uh, Codex Alimentarius. And I be- and I believe that the January one two thousand nine, it will be ratified as the code. I mean, Codex Alimentarius literally means the food code. It will become the food code of the United States as well, or at least it's it's um, you know that's on the schedule. I think it's the first of January two thousand nine, um, oh. and the European Union is already harmonizing it with all laws. And and of course, if you you know if you look at some of the conspiracy theory videos, which I'm an expert at. Um, you know, this is really, really bad shit. In fact, uh, it will probably, um, you know, some people say it could easily kill, you know, 3 billion people within 50 years or something, you know, malnourishment. <laughs> I mean, that, that's taking it to the extreme, maybe. But it is, it is very clear that there is going to be a, a food code uh, that the government is going to set and will tell you what you can and cannot eat. I mean, that is what the codex is all about.
1: You know, it's funny. It's like I'm always complaining about how Brussels is pushing uh, the uh, Europeans around with all these laws that they're doing. But I think it's even more pathetic if Brussels is pushing us around. But anyway, let's go back to just before we finish the show. You might as well go on a rant about Monsanto in Uh, some way. Yeah, go for it. So it's a company to you know that a lot of people dislike. They they actually essentially broke the backs of a couple of journalists in Florida who were like trying to. Blow the whistle on on the company for being behind much of the laws that for example in, in, these laws are or most of them are at least i don 't think they apply in California, but there was they were attempting to make it so you could not put you know, again we're going back to labeling laws you could not put on a, on a carton of milk that the cow 's milk in that carton was a result of an animal that had been treated with the bovine growth hormone that makes them produce twenty five percent more milk it was like in in california you see it. no no bst or whatever it's called uh is in this you know it was no these none of these cows made this milk and in fact if you taste the milk from a cow that does that that has been pumped up with this stuff it's, it's kind of watery it's yeah. watery yeah it's crappy but anyway so monsanto was behind and they drove you drove these guys out you know they were really tight with the government they get a lot of these laws that's why probably monsanto's you know, kind of mentalities behind where we don't know where the tomatoes are coming from. Meanwhile, here's what I'm predicting is going to happen. That's going to be really interesting. There's a number of uh, of uh, countries in South America who have banned uh, the use of the Monsanto genetically engineered, you know, Roundup uh, resistant wheats and these some of these crazy uh, seeds that they've invented. Yeah, it's you know, all gen- genetically engineered. modified stuff. Yeah. Right, genetically modified stuff, which is, you know, illegal here and there, but the stuff is getting into the wild. Now, you know, in fact, where they've grown a lot of these crops, the, the pollen from these crops goes into the na- neighbor and the next thing you know, the next year they got, you know, half the crop is this stuff they don't even want. And and now there's, I forgot what country, but it was on one of these world reports that in Bolivia, maybe Ecuador someplace, you know, saying, they had to change the law because this stuff is, you know, these genetically modified this, uh you know, pollens have gotten out, and they're essentially changing everything. I suspect because the whole uh, genetically modified business is a uh, patented one, that one of these days Monsanto's going to walk into a field in Nebraska or someplace else and take a sample, kind of like the BSA does with software, make you know, make him do an audit, and they're going to find genetically modified. Uh, products that growing there that were not licensed, and they're going to sue the farmer. <laughs> oh, really? And then <laughs> and make them pay a fine for having that in there. And if, even though the farmer's going to say, well, you know, it wasn't, you know, it blew over, and the, and the documentation says, well, it it can't blow that far. Yeah. And uh, you watch, there'll be some really crazy lawsuits over this genetically modified stuff because those guys have got it locked down.
0: I'm not, you know, this is one of those issues that is so big and so broad. And, you know, of course, there's a, a deadline coming up that you know, lots of people are starting to at least talk about it. And um, I'm just not schooled enough in exactly what's going on. But, you know, once again, you know, you, you there's lots of lectures and uh, YouTube videos of some pretty serious looking people saying, you know, this is a real problem. And, you know, you can take it to the extreme. And, of course, you know. The second part of the video is always, and this is what they've always wanted, you know. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. That's the problem with a lot of these guys. Instead of presenting these things in a logical, orderly way, you know, many of the people that present, and I wonder sometimes, I've always believed this, by the way, if you want to make a point uh, and you have, you're on the bad side of an argument and you want to uh, kind of keep people from beating you up, you put a debate on where you have the bad side of the argument, uh, you know, whatever it is, uh, with a reasonable person who is very professorial and then bring on a guy who's against you, who's on the right side of the argument, but is clinically insane. <laughs> And so you have this, you know, I've seen <coughs> debates, I've seen TV debates like this, where you have a Republican and a Democrat, and you know yeah. that that the, one of the two sides put the whole thing together, because you have one guy who's very reasonable, and the other guy who's it's like a, a fanatic A nutcase,
0: yeah, nut yeah, of course. Well, anyway, and, uh, it, it's something we should look at. We should look at it, John. I'm sure people are going to send us all kinds of links and information.
1: Yeah. It's our topic for this. Our no agenda topic for a no agenda show for next week, if we remember. Precisely. We hey, might no, I, not I, talk I, about
0: it. At all. I'm just pulling the break here. I mean, how can anyone listen to this shit for two hours? I don't know. I can't. <laughs> I, I can't. Barely can't do it for two hours. <laughs> we two hours. Man. I'm playing the music. You don't hear the music? No. Do oh, you or don't is. you? You should hear yeah. it. Yeah, you hear it. Okay. Barely. Well, it's soft, you know, it's, it's called like a nice gentle fade, and at the end I bring it up, it's the end of the show. It's all done in real time, you know, no joke here.
1: Are we going to say goodbye?
0: Yes. Uh, thank you, John. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I can think of no better way to spend a couple hours on a Saturday afternoon.
1: Well, I wish it was less than a couple of hours, but I'm John C. Moore, I'm up here in Northern California, Smokyville, and I'll be smoking
0: some meat tonight. And I'm Adam Curry at the Manor in the United Kingdom in Guilford, uh, soaked in sun. We'll talk to you again next week right here on No Agenda.